you know, one of my mentors said this to me a few years ago. He was like, your, your mess can be your message. And that really got me like ruthlessly reflecting on, wow, like so much about our story that uh, can not only benefit us if we bring more awareness to it uh, in the present moment, but someone in your community or in your circle hearing about your story or what you labeled as a mess could actually be of service, right? Welcome back, everyone, to the Modern Masculinity Podcast, a space designed to help redefine what it means to be a man in the modern era. Our hope with this podcast is to support men on their journey towards becoming the best possible version of themselves by providing insight, support, perspective, but most importantly, a safe space to live authentically with a community of conscious kings. Every week, we will take a deep dive into topics such as toxic masculinity, men's mental health, personal relationships, conscious leadership, and powerful guest appearances. Men, we see you, we hear you, and we are standing tall beside you every single day in the arena of misunderstood masculinity. Let's get into today's episode. Welcome back, welcome back everyone to another episode of the Modern Masculinity Podcast. I'm your co-host CK, aka Coach Kyle. And it's your boy Anwar Ahmed, aka A Squared. And today we have a powerful, powerful guest episode. We're very grateful to bring onto the show our good friend, Andy Nguyen. He is the co-founder of King of Hearts. He is a personal men's coach. He also brought a men's group to my hometown city of Calgary and started that up here. He is an incredible human being, and we are excited to bring him to the platform. But before we give him a space, you know what time it is. I don't know what time it is. Check. Yo, Moochak, Moochak, we always start with the guests. Before we introduce you, just tell us, how are you doing today? How's your, how's your Saturday going We on this nice, fine morning? Well, it's uh, 9.47 a.m. Uh, whenever I have these types of conversations, I usually take it super slow in the morning. So I'm not on my phone too much. I'm not reading at all. I'm not getting anything in my mind. So I, right now, in this moment, I feel super grounded, super peaceful, and... There's like a texture of excitement too, because I've been looking forward to this conversation with you guys. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Nice. I'll, uh, I, I like how you said that, you know, because sometimes I do that too, when I know I don't want things in my mind prior to what I'm like, you know, because you could easily read a text or like, like, hey, I'm going to make that phone call to that, you know, family member that I, I, you know, said, call me. But then like, we don't know what energy they're going to share with you, right? Like, it's like, because then now you're they share something crazy with you and then you're coming in here and you're kind of like, your mind is like trying to think on the conversation, but you've got all this extra stuff in your, in your mind. So I appreciate the, the, the blacking it out and just being like, I'm, I'm purely here. Nothing has disrupted my day today. This is the first thing. And then go from there. Um, yeah, brother. I yeah, often yeah. do that too. I often do that too, depending on what it is. I think I'm tackling, like if it's um, something like this or things like that, um, I will exercise sometimes. I think that gives me more energy for the conversation. Um, but I, I, I share the same uh, sentiments. I did the opposite of you. I, I, I hopped on a little bit late on this call. We were like having a little joke. I, I wanted to have this conversation and this be like the big part of my day and then just kind of relax for the rest of the day. So I put all my tasks before it and I was like, 
I'm gonna get everything done and then come into this conversation and this will be my my exit. And then it bit me in the it bit me in the backside because <laughs> I ran I, I came here late and all those kind of things. So uh, right now I'm jealous of the way you started this conversation. I should have taken that approach. Should have taken that approach. Um, but I'm doing good. I'm excited about this conversation as well. I'm excited about this conversation as well. How about you, Coach Coach Kyle? How's my mood? My mood, my mood today is I would say slowly wakening slowly wakening i had a late night at the at the restaurant last night but uh, i feel that as soon as i got on the call and had a pre-conversation with andy and we were catching up we've been planning this conversation for what feels like quite a long time and to have this come to fruition i think brings about it a sense of uh warmth and um I would say excitement for sure. And so your inner, my inner body just is recognizing that there is uh, just something about this conversation that just seems like it's, it's going to be incredible because of how long we've been in anticipation for it. So I feel excited. I feel very grounded, like Andy was mentioning. Um, and then I just, I feel quite excited. So that's, that's my mood. Nice. How's your mood, Poppy? How are you feeling after all that hecticness? Yeah, no, I'm good. Yeah, like I like I said, I think uh, I got a lot done, which is always the catch 22. Like I was able to kind of get a lot of stuff done, but um, the the backlash of getting putting too much in front of your in front of your plate is that you know you you run the risk of cutting your margins a bit too tight. And I think I did that a little bit today, but um, the energy is there. I don't gotta you know sometimes. You know, I see that you're wearing your glasses today. You're usually you're usually a contact guy, so you're taking it nice and slow. You guys can't see the you guys can't see the video, but whenever this clip comes out, you're gonna see Kyle in glasses for the first time. I think on this platform. So, yo, now I know something about Kyle. Whenever he has glasses on, he's having a slow day. He's you it. know it. Yeah, I, I only ever wear my glasses if it's like a pre bedtime moment where I take my contacts out, but I still want to see. I don't usually ever wear them outside of that. I don't love the feeling of glasses on my face so when they're on it you know that uh, i'm probably having some dry eyes truthfully um, but i am not in a rush to do things and i am just kind of pacing myself so you're right good vision good vision i'm surprised i've never had these on before <laughs> no <laughs> i love it So to get into today's conversation, uh, we mentioned we have a powerful guest. Andy is on the show with us. And before we get into the, the deep context of what today's gonna be, it's gonna be so beautiful, so powerful. Uh, Andy, we'd love for you to introduce yourself to our audience and tell us and tell them all about yourself and what you do. Awesome, awesome. Uh, first of all, thank you guys again for having me. Uh, I agree, it's been a long time coming and there's like this amazing buildup and uh, yeah, excited to see what's going to unfold today. I really love your guys' like framework. You guys were talking about it before this conversation around like, yo, the experience and the discovery. And um, what was the third one again? The, the educational element. Educational yeah, element, yeah. Educate, so yeah. yeah, you guys, like an amazing structure that I think adds to the element and to the like, feeling of excitement within myself. So thank you for that. Um, a little introduction for myself. Um, I'm Andy, based out of Calgary at the moment. I've been doing some traveling this past year, living in Mexico, living in Serbia, and ah, really committed to you know staying open these days. And my life has been an interesting journey, I would say, reflecting on it. I'll, I usually jump into like talking about my work 
right away. And instead, I kind of want to introduce myself as a person uh, quickly. And this is, a, you know, I won't, I won't make this uh, like a long bio. It's going to just be a short one. But uh, and, you know, I know that you guys have an audience that are, are men listening and, you know, really wanted to share the fact that, you know, I grew up, uh, I'm a man that grew up without a father um, since I was six years old and had to navigate that. And, you know, going through my teenage years into uh, early adulthood, that journey of navigating life without a father really led me up to doing work for Kings of Hearts, really not diving deep into helping men with mental health, uh, which then has led to, you know, leading men's groups, coaching guys one-on-one, uh, hosting events around uh, embodiment, breath work, all that stuff. So I'll leave, I'll leave it there and uh, I'll see what comes up next. That's awesome. Um, you're, you're actually getting right into where I wanted to start this conversation. Um, yeah. You know, looking at your IG story, I think it's, it's very often now, nowadays, as you kind of ascend, I find this a lot in traveling too. Like when you travel and you move to new cities, people know you for the impression that they're getting now, right? Like when I moved to Toronto, everybody knows me for like the character that's and we're after university and we're after all the mm. traveling after like all this knowledge that I've gained about life. And you're meeting a polished version of myself. Right. And I often, when I meet people, I'm like, I want to go back a couple of steps. What happens when I, if I would have met you five years ago, who is that mm. person? Because I know you've done a lot of work to be the conscious masculine, but I think it would be a disservice if we didn't ask who's Andy before he was the conscious masculine. Mm. Who was that guy? And, and, and how did that guy ascend into the conscious masculine? Um, take me back to your childhood. Take me back to, you know, you were young mm. without a father. I want to kind of know a little bit about who that person is so that the audience can better associate themselves with you as a, as, as a person, as you've kind of become. And we'll get to the conscious masculine and the work that you do now. But take me back. Who's Andy yeah. the conscious masculine? Yeah, brother. You know, like the reason why I brought that up uh, as a part of my intro is, uh, you know, one of my mentors said this to me a few years ago, he was like, your, your mess can be your message. And that really got me like ruthlessly reflecting on, wow, like so much about our story that uh, can not only benefit us if we bring more awareness to it uh, in the present moment, but someone in your community or in your circle hearing about your story or what you labeled as a mess could actually be of service, right? So if I were to go back now, let, let's go. I love this Anwar, like going back to the Andy um, before, you know, I was, I want to go deep, you guys, like right away. Cause I think this yeah, is sir. just, you guys have send already it. set the presidents. Yeah, you know, send it. You know, Kyle, you know, you and I already got right deep into it when we first jumped on. So six years, six years old, uh, my dad passed away. My dad passed away. Um, my, it was just me, my mom and my dad. I don't have any siblings. And my mom, she, she decided to to rock the single mom life, you know, to really focus on providing for the family. She was, you know, she was super in her masculine. She's like, I'm going to take the role of both the father and the mother. And I'm going to make sure that, you know, Andy has a good future. So she never, she never uh, entertained the idea of romance again. So I never, I never really had anyone that came in to replace my dad. Now I remember and this is a memory after like, it was probably a few weeks or maybe a month after my dad passed away. I remember uh, my cousins coming over, my aunts, and my uncles, everyone was coming over to, to support us. And I remember everyone coming up and hugging me. People were crying and 
there was there was a common thing that everybody was saying. They were like, "Andy, your dad's gone. You're the ma- you're the man of the house now. You got to take care of mom now." And I was six years old. Can you imagine a six year old receiving that that message coming from that emotion too? It wasn't just like a someone just saying that randomly. Like they were crying and they were telling me this. I was trying to receive that. And I think something was programmed in me that day um, around like, hey, you got to put aside uh, a bit or a lot of like your the inner child, the playfulness, and you just got to take life really seriously now. And I would say, guys, like, again, through my teenage years into my early 20s, mid 20s, late 20s, even I had like an identity around like, am I doing good enough? Am I good enough? You know, am I, am I being a good man? Is this, is this, is this what it's supposed to be like? And so it's, it was really interesting. You know, I, I even reflect on it now too, that a part of me was seeking that, that male or that masculine influence somewhere outside of myself along the way. And when I was in my uh, teenage years, I was seeking that uh, from a group of guys that were in my high school. And they were not a really great, they were not great influence at all. These guys just, they were causing a lot of trouble, but they were, they were the thing for me, right? Um, I was looking, wanted to feel safety and security and belonging. And um, that's where I found it. Such a, you know, I haven't been able to talk about this in a really long time. So I appreciate you guys uh, asking this and it's bringing up a, a few, a few feelings for sure. And man, like. I know we're going to get into the coaching stuff later, but I think my, my, my mess is really in service now because I'm helping guys who the guys that come in my field, like whether it's uh, leading a men's group retreat or one-on-one coaching, they, they all have that, that missing piece of the puzzle that I had too. And I think that I'm here today, helping them find that, helping them define that for themselves. So powerful, so powerful. Yeah. I know I'm sure you caught it, but it's so crazy. It sounds like uh, he is a mixture of you and I growing up a little bit. I recognize deeply mm-hmm. that, you know, I had a similar experience growing up with just my mother. I had men in the picture, but they were not the greatest vision of, of what uh, I always thought a man would be. And it was uh, definitely an unhealthy space. And so I, I aligned so deeply with the mother having to pick up those roles and and knowing that she had to do both even though there was someone else around and then the next steps you took of getting into this space where you were a part of um this friendship group which i feel like relates to, to anwar a bit is just kind of looking for uh, a bit of that experience outside of ourselves which is i was something i tried to do but i failed at um it, it's crazy to hear anwar i'm not quite sure if you caught that or not yeah, no, I, I definitely caught that, you know, uh, more so even your space, the big, the big difference that I caught. And I always think that there's room for conversation when you find if you're too similar, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, 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 I know, I know. And then the conversations mm-hmm. really like go different. Like there's a big difference between your experience, Kyle, and what Andy shared in terms of Andy said something very subtle in there. He said his mom never entertained romance again, mm-hmm. right? Your mom did entertain romance again, right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and there was a lot of different men that came into your life through your mom exploring romance. Your mom was 15. Obviously, she obviously wanted to, you know, um, 
and so the difference there was you you didn't like the versions of men that were showing up where Andy was making up a man, right? Like right. I feel like, and I'm not gonna, I don't want to speak on it because mm-hmm. I'm not in that experience, but I would love for both of you to kind of shed light on the differences there because I think there's something there. Like I think that there is, you know, you were like, I don't want to be that. And Andy was like, I'm trying to create something, a figure here that isn't here, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. what, how does that land for both of you guys? Well, like I have a question that kind of pops up in my head for, for Kyle is like, you know, if your, your, your mom entertained romance again, you know, what, what did that do within you? Were you, were you always seeking um, approval from, from the, the different uh, partners that she would have and that she would be in different relationships, you know, and when they left, did you feel like abandonment? Was that present for you too? Yeah, well, as everyone can probably hear right now, Andy's a coach. So those are some some Andy, some coaching questions, which I love and I appreciate. You know, it's an interesting reflection. And as I look back often, I notice that for some reason, unbeknownst to me so far, I rejected a lot of their presence. I, I was very much, I don't really want you here or uh, I don't need you here. Because what I recognize, I think similar at an early age, but it was never really presented to me, it just felt appropriate is that when my father, my biological father kind of exited the scene and he wasn't around anymore, I did recognize that there was a component of my life that I needed to step up, that I needed to be that center, that consistency, that groundedness, that space that was always there. And I think my mother looked for that in me as well, unconsciously. Uh, And that's why I think we have such a, a great relationship today and why it has always been uh, her and I against the world. Like it's, it's how it's been for so long. And I've actually had to do a lot of work around that because that created a bit of a mother wound, which was really fascinating to process. But yeah, I, I spent a lot of time rejecting their ideologies, uh, not really connecting on an, a deep emotional level ever. Uh, there were times for sure where I felt like, oh, okay, like they're here. This is great. But I had such inconsistency with it all that even the 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 man who was in my space for you know 12, 13, 14 years, even still, I felt like it wasn't consistent, like it wasn't going to stay. Um, so there was definitely a bit of abandonment. Um, and that comes from both sides because when I was super young, I recognized that you know a 15-year-old mother can only really do so much. And there's only so much that she can give uh, to a child. So there's a lot of that work in there as well. But I would say that's more specifically, I guess, in the in the man space. I rejected it a lot. Um, but I can imagine even not having it around. Like, how did you manage to create something? Or how did that even process for you that you had to create that without seeing it? Well, the, yeah, the interesting thing, um, you know, I, I feel there, there's, a, there's a difference. Like, uh, I love that you said that you and your mom, um, you know, it's you and her against the world. You know, you guys were like a team for, for me, um, there was a period of probably 15 plus years where my mom and I barely even spoke because, um, well, she had so many jobs. She was like completely in her, the masculine role, her energy was, and the masculine that I was rejecting was the one that was in her, Mm -hmm. right. She had to animate the masculine to provide for the family. And there was like a, there was a distance, there was a wall or there was a closure there for me that I just was fighting it. Right. I was fighting it. And so it was not, it's not up until now that my mom and I are, are deeply loving and, and we get along so well. Cause uh, I've had to unpack a lot of that stuff, 
Um, but man, really interesting to hear there's a difference there, right? It's like I was rejecting the masculine in my mom and you were rejecting the, the masculine in the men that she was dating and seeing, right? Uh, both create like a mother wound. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Deeply. What, absolutely. What, what was the other part of your question? Can you ask that again? Uh, for me, I was just looking into, I, I had the opportunity uh, growing up with the men that were in my space to look at their actions and their perspectives and their yeah. ways of living. And I had the ability to look at it, see it, be a part of it, and then choose whether to reject it or accept it. And that for me was, uh, and has been a lifelong process with all of the men. And so I had the opportunity to uh, create based on what was specifically around me. Now that didn't necessarily work well, but mm -hmm. at least it gave me something to work off of. So then I could choose what kind of person I wanted to be, or at least a man that I wanted to be. And for yourself, I think I was curious is how you went about the process of creating yeah. that vision for you, because you didn't have even a, we'll call it an unhealthy model in your space that gave you the opportunity to be like, okay, that's not what I want to do, or that is what I want to do. So how did that process come to be for you? Yeah, that's a, that's a really great question, brother. And it was really confusing for me. You know, I, I, don't, I think I, I was pulling my, my call it inspiration to become a man from, from so many different areas. I think pop culture, you know, I think when we watch movies, there's certain characters that exhibit um, a, like certain traits, right? And you, you kind of look to that. I think, I think a person that comes up for me right now was... Um, uh, it was a character from uh, Lord of the Rings, mm. uh, Aragon. You know, he was like mm -hmm. this, this warrior king archetype. I, I just, I was a Lord, Lord of the Rings nerd, still am. And um, <laughs> yeah, I would look to pop culture for that. I would look to my my friends, you know, uh, who are in around the same age group as me. I would look to, um, you know, things I was reading. Like I was, there was, there was just so many directions like things that i was just pulling at and it was really confusing because you know on, on one end of the spectrum i was told like hey andy like you are the, you are it you are the man of the house like when i was like six seven years old there when i lost my dad um and i think if i was any older i would probably look within but i was so young i spent so many years looking out just like pulling all these things so when i around the age of like 25 26 years old um, I, you know, I started looking in a bit, you know, I think what triggered that for me was, a was a, a big, uh, breakup for me and I, I couldn't hold myself. I, I was just everywhere. You know, I, I put so much of my identity in, in that relationship, so much worth in that relationship too. And it really got me reflecting on like, Hey, like what, what makes me a man really like, and how does that, how has that come to be up until this point for me? And it was, it was just, there was so much, it was so confusing that I, I felt like I really needed to hit a reset button. So, um, I, I answered your question, Kyle, man, like there wasn't like a one thing there were, I feel like there were so many, bro. So, so many, I would say like, uh, if there was like a tipping point where I finally was like, that was one of the tipping points. But, uh, one of the revelations that I had was like, Oh, wow. Like I have a lot of men in my life that are of the same age or younger. I didn't have a lot of older men in my life. And, and I decided that I needed to surround myself with older men and just to see what, um, what came out of that.
And so that sent me on a different, a whole other trajectory. Yeah. What comes up Thank for you guys? Yeah. When I, when I share that, like, I'm curious too, like Anwar, um, anything come up for you, bro? I mean, a lot comes up for me. I mean, I, I feel, I think I share a different, um, a different trajectory, but we get to the same point in the end. Mm. You know, I think that the path that you guys have, and we're talking about, you know, for the audience, this is a great reflection of like how childhood can completely change how you perceive things. Like, you know, Andy, you lose your father at a young age due to what some sort of, you know, circumstance that I'm not sure yet. Um, Kyle, your dad is still around, but he's not in your life or he's, you know, he's alive, but he's not in your life. And, and my dad was completely present the whole entire time, but he wasn't a masculine man. Like he was in his feminine for a lot of it. He was very compassionate, very caring. So I'm looking at a, a male, but I'm not receiving the right message. So I'm still kind of lost too. I'm kind of like, well, what's a man then? Cause the, the way the, the, the society describes a man isn't necessarily what I see in my dad. He carries a lot of, and what was the confusing part for me was that my, if, if you came into my house, you would see the, you would see my mom as the, the, the woman, you would see my dad as the man, but energy wise, they were completely opposite. My mom was like the spicy one, the assertive one, the one that had all those natural masculine qualities. And my dad was like, compassionate, empathetic, caring, nurturing, like, so to me, I'm looking at the complete opposite my whole entire life. And I'm the only boy in the house, like I have two younger sisters. So I'm like, I'm in a whirlwind of like, like what physical bodies look like and what energies are coming at me. And I'm trying to piece it all together while trying to figure out what it all means to me, you know, so, so naturally, it was a bit of a confusing space. But like I I've said this on the podcast before, I wasn't really navigating men and women's spaces at a young age. I was navigating race and how do I fit in this society? Like those are my original challenges, identity crisis. Like, wow. uh, you know, being the only, being the only one or two, you know, black kids in a school of like thousands, hundreds, you know, navigating those differences. My hair is curly. Their hair is straight. Like, uh, when I have English homework and like a navigating being an immigrant, you got English homework, you go home, your parents don't even speak English. How am I supposed to get help with this homework? Like that was a lot of the challenges that I was challenged struggling with as a young age at a young age. So sometimes Kyle will ask me questions about childhood and masculinity. And I'm like, I got no answer for that because it's not the space I was navigating. Like I didn't, I wasn't questioning my masculinity at six, like yourself or someone is telling you you're the man of the house. Now, you know, like that's a seed that's planted. You're like, what is being a man? And all you go down that rabbit hole. When my responsibilities got, so that 22, 18 is when I started first living on my own. That's when it like, I was like, well, what does a man do? You know, like that's when I was like, we have an episode and the question is, are you even a man, bro? And to me, that question hit home for me at 18. Like when I was like, I'm going to go on my own, I'm going to live on my own. And I was like, oh, damn, what does living on your own mean? To live on your own, you have to be what? And then, you know, that's the the real time when I started really like, you know, entertaining this conversation of, you know, are you even a man? What is a man? Um, and so that's where it's a little bit different for me. Um, not at a young age. I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't kind of carrying the torch that young, um, trying to be a man, trying to fit that um that box quite yet. 
Um, I think I was navigating the immigrant lifestyle, being black in a, you know, a very um, not diverse community. Um, that was the space I was more navigating at a young age. So wow. that's what's a little bit different. My friends, let's talk about mental health and the sponsor of this podcast. This episode is sponsored by Tether, a peer-enabled mental health and well-being platform for men. Tether helps men find meaning and purpose through community, accountability pods, and a 24-7 support network. Tether invites us all to be a part of changing the face of masculinity and letting every man know that struggling and vulnerability doesn't make you any less of a man. It simply makes you human. And for me, I've had a lot of personal experience with this app. I've used it many times. I've shared a lot of vulnerable moments. I've shared some strength moments, some exciting moments. The app is open for everyone to simply just share. And like I said in the introduction, a peer-enabled space where we're supporting each other without any pressure to fix, just simply to honor each other's journey. They also just added in a conscious content section where they're sharing podcasts they're sharing blog posts it is a really powerful space so we really want to implore you and encourage you to download it from the app and google store it is tether t-e-t-h-r available on both app stores join the community i promise you will not regret it Love that. And you know, it's interesting. I hear about all three of our stories and uh, for everyone that's listening, I hope that you caught it. There's a, one direct similarity between all of us is that at some point we got to this message that we felt we needed to, to look at, which was, are you even a man? Are you even a man right now? And I had this similar revelation rele uh, probably three years ago, where for some reason, it just felt like it was called upon me to ask myself, are you a man yet? And I use the word specifically yet because I had never asked myself that question. And I presumed from my entire life that as soon as I turned 18, the legal age in our city, that I was a man, that that was just the, mm -hmm. the initiation, right? That we all don't get, but it all just seems to happen. It felt like that was my initiation. Once you can do the adult things, then you are considered a man. So I just presumed I was always a man. And it took me so long to navigate and realize, like I said, three years ago, I was like, wait a second, like, have you put any conscious effort into actually being a man? Or is it just something that you feel has been given to you? And I realized that I was could never have been given it. I had to give it to myself because I didn't have someone else to give it to me. And that was where I really felt like I came into my own as a man. But I really wanted to touch on that because I want everyone to listen and hear that at some point. And if you're listening now, maybe it's this moment now is question, question it. And it's not to say that you are less of a man or that you're less capable or you're not worthy. It's just questioning, do you feel like you are a man right now in the context of hopefully what we'll get into today? And if you're struggling with the answer, that's okay, because I did. And I'm sure you both did as well. It's, uh, what does that question even mean? And it sends you into this road. And that's why I am where I am today, being a men's coach, because I realized, whoa, like that question transcended a lot for me. That, that question gave me a lot of enlightenment in my life that I didn't see before. So I love that. So I appreciate you both sharing that. Yeah. The one thing that's dropping in for me right now, listening to you is like, there's that question of, am I even a man yet? And then the other question that drops in is like, when is the chase end? I feel like we're always we're always using these um, these things like eighteen. Uh, am I a man yet? Uh, uh, you know, get the job. 
Am I a man yet? Get the girl. Am I a man yet? Start the family. Am I a man yet? Fill in the blank. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I'm just curious. Like when is like, I love for, I'd love for guys to always reflect on this. Like when does the, when does the chase stop you guys? You know, when does it end um, where we can start building the things that we, that we want instead of chasing them. Right. Mm-hmm. We're in, we're in what I call the discovery block right now of this conversation where we're discovering things from, you know, other people sharing their story. Something yeah. that I picked up on that Kyle said though, um, we're talking about a question, right? Are you even a man? Sometimes I wonder, are we really trying to define the question or are we trying to find answers to validate that how you are is masculine enough? Mm-hmm. Right. Because I think we do know what it means to be a man based on society's terms. Right. Mm-hmm. Like we actually have an answer. And so I think what we're doing is we're bringing our assignment to the answer and being like, how does my assignment fit this container that is already created? And when you find confusion in that, that's where I feel like you start to like you almost ask that question to yourself in like a doubtful way. You know, mm-hmm. like the, are you even a man question is, is, is riddled with doubt. Like, it's not that you're like, you're asking it as if you don't understand it. It's like, no, I understand what the question is implying. What I'm saying is based on how I feel in this body and the definition, I'm question, I'm doubting myself. Like, are you even a man? Like, mm. yeah, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. Like, it's not necessarily like, I know I'm a man, but I'm like, I'm saying, <laughs> Am I even a man? Like based on this definition, you know, and I've been trying to validate how I feel inside to hold true to being like, yeah, I'm still a man, but I just, that's not how it looks for me, you know? And I would love to hear your guys' experience. For me, it was very clear. The first time I felt that was in sports and in leadership in sports. And, you know, I shared this before it was, I felt like I had to be a dickhead like to gain the respect of my teammates. Like I felt like I had to be, but it wasn't natural for me to want to be an, you know, an asshole. Let's put it frank. Like, you know, it was like, you could be the best player on the team. And if you talk to people in a very like demeaning way, and like, you know, we talked about Michael Jordan, for example, like look at the way his leadership style is like that to me would have fit. He probably doesn't struggle with the, are you even a man conversation, right? He's like, everything I do is at the, like the umph degree of masculinity you know what i mean for me i was like i'm faking this this is not how i want to tell you to get there but it's what i feel like i need to do to fit this description and so it was really unpackaging like how can i do it and still hold the masculinity flag without doing it that way because that looks ugly to me like that doesn't that doesn't resonate to me that was my kind of what was your guys's kind of journey with like you know is it a doubtful question? Is that how you guys hear it too? Like, are you even a man? Like you're doubting yourself? Is that how you guys hear it? Yeah, for me, um, I would say the first time that I brushed up against that question, it was around uh, late teens, uh, navigating sexuality. Uh, I, was a, I was a late bloomer. Uh, I didn't, I didn't um, you know, I was a virgin up until 19 years old. Uh, however, the thing was I was lying to all my buddies. Okay. I was lying to all my buddies that I, that I already had sex and there's something there. If you were to really on, uh, like look in and, and unpack that a bit, it's like, you know, I wanted to be, have social approval as a man in my friend group for losing my virginity uh, earlier. And so I, I would, the behavior that was exhibited was I was lying about it. Right. And I think that question was like, 
you know, even after, even after, um, you know, getting laid for the first time, it's like, you, you, you question, you're like, wow, like all of that build up until this point, And I, I don't feel that different. You know, I don't feel that different. What was all that, that hype about in my own mind? What was all the lying about to my friends? What was that sacrifice to fulfill this, this story, you know, or this, or answer this question? You know, you know, I, I think uh, if I were to shift that question, uh, moving forward, it's, it's, it's not asking myself, like, am I even a man? It's more, what makes me a man today? And, and does that, is that in alignment? Is that, does that ring true? Does that feel good? Right. That's, that's how I would probably shift the question, but that's where, that's where my story kind of stems from with that question is around the world or the realm of sexuality. Hmm. Yeah. I love that. I love that. This is really cool to get into because I think what this speaks to is that as seemingly on the outside, it, it seems like a lot of men have very similar journeys towards this. It's it's never the case. And we all have different ways in how we went about asking this question. Mine is different as well. So I love this. And I, I think that the, everyone listening, you're going to take a lot of value. But for me, I always questioned it without knowing for sure. Growing up, I always questioned it because uh, I felt like I had to. I felt like I had to be that specific version of whatever it was that was being presented to me or just being the opposite because the opposite of um, what I was seeing seemed to be more praised around me and it seemed to cause a lot less conflict and a lot less stress and a lot less problems. And so I chose to take that route, but I swung the pendulum and decided to go a little too far down that road, which led into being the nice guy and having that complex, which was a pretty large detriment to be honest, but I've learned and I've ventured into that a lot. But when I asked myself this question three years ago, it came following a breakup similar to Andy came following a breakup. And the reason that I asked myself that question was because I felt like I was doing all of the right things. And yet I just had lost something that felt like was a direct hit to my masculinity was a direct hit to being a man. And it was very confusing for me. And so when I asked the question, my purpose was coming from a bit of doubt. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I would align with that because it comes from the space of feeling like I didn't have any worth. And so I asked the question probably to seek more worth, at least within myself, uh, because I didn't have that person anymore to seek it from them anymore. I didn't have that reliance necessarily that uh, they would have given me that I wasn't fully aware or conscious of. So I asked the question coming from a space of lack of self-worth, but what I recognize about my journey is that whenever I step into a space of becoming aware of something about myself, it usually leads me down one of two ways. I, I can be self-aware of it and suffer, or I can be self-aware of it and succeed. And the idea behind that is if I had become aware that I didn't feel like I was a man, I could have taken the mindset of, well, then you're not worthy and you're not capable and you can't do it. Therefore, you'll enter into the suffering state. Or I had the opportunity to look at that and say, okay, if that's how you feel and you feel like there's work there, that doesn't necessarily take a hit on your self-worth because you can build it, because you can start to create it and you can start to change in ways that you feel are most appropriate to yourself through education, through asking other people, through looking through the models of different eyes, maybe finding a mentor, whatever the case may be to help you navigate what you feel is necessary to be a man, or at least step into your masculinity. And so I took that route. And I spent the entire year 
diving headfirst into that and reading and learning and and sitting with myself and working on abundance and manifestation and working on the the deeper inner knowing that I'm worthy regardless of what is in my surroundings. And I'm not fully beyond that yet, but that was really where my journey took fold. And that's the reason that I asked that question. Yeah, I really like that take, uh, Kyle, because I think that take opens up a lot of, you know, what it's bringing up for me is, you know, I never really realized this about myself. And it's only kind of coming now in this in this conversation. I think I've known it, but I haven't put it to words. And I think you're you sharing there actually gave me the understanding because we're talking about, you know, the, the seeking of women, the sexuality, all of those kind of things. And I was wondering why for me, like, I never, I never had those urges. Like as a young kid, I never had the urges of like trying to like the, the things that I'd be, I'd get made fun of for having too many female friends. Like they'd be like, how do you have all these female friends? And you can't make one of them your girlfriend. Like, you know, or it was just like, cause I just was not <laughs> curious about, I had none of those, not that those urges didn't matter. And this is what I'm noticing in this conversation because I had so much of an acute awareness of my emotions and how emotions land on other people. And I think that this is where my, you know, emotional intelligence kicked in at a young age was like, I knew the consequences of something not going well at a young age. Right. And so it allowed me the ability to control urges. Cause I was like, I don't know if I like this person or not. I can't push past that threshold because I know that they're going to get hurt. Like, and I know where I stand right now. And it's like, I don't want to foresee a negative emotion because I don't know how to deal with the negative emotion, but I do know it's going to cause pain. And so my ability to see, like, to control the urges came from my ability of seeing, like, I almost had this idea of, like, I could always think about the end in mind. I, I could always begin something with the end in mind. I'm like, this is going to end well. So I'm not going to pursue it. And that little hesitation was, like, being so acutely aware of emotions and how it, but I felt like because I didn't have an urge, maybe my masculinity was being challenged, you know? And I would be like, I don't have an urge to do these masculine things. Like even, even let's take it out of the sexual world, hitting somebody, like being in a fight. I was like, I can't throw a punch because I know I can't throw a punch, but I'm like, I know how this is going to end. We can solve this right here. I don't, I'm in control of my, I, I know if I hit you, this is going to go like this. And I can already see us sitting in the police station. I can already foresee all of this happening. So why would I swing? Like, it, I did, almost like I didn't learn emotional stuff through projecting it and figuring it out the other way. It was like, I know how this is going to end. Like, is there another way around it? And my, I was like, oh, I'm not going to, I'm going to be seen as a baby or a pussy in the world of men. Like if I don't throw this punch right now, but I'm like, I'm not a pussy. I'm just, I know the consequences. <laughs> Um, too well, almost, you know, and it was like, and I think my masculinity was always being challenged in that way. I was like, the masculine thing to do here is this, but I'm like, that doesn't lead to the best outcome. So I can't take that path, you know? Um, and that's kind of what was coming up for me. It was like, I was just like always fighting that battle internally of like, I can control this urge because I just, I know that's not the outcome that I'm looking for. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Anwar, like that, that resonates so much with me because I've never, I've never thrown a punch. Like I never got in a fight before. Here's, here's another thing, uh, kind of re- it sort of relates to the sexual, the sexuality part that I was sharing with you guys. I lied about it still. Like I've, I told my friends I would, I got into fights, right. Mm. So th- which is really interesting, isn't it? It's like, okay. Like I was seeking so much approval. I needed, I needed people to see me as a type of man uh, before even looking in the mirror. Um, I think s- 
so much of that. I think that's maybe even somehow connected with not having my my father there and trying to having this blank canvas and trying to work with everything, right? Um, and you know, when you're trying to work with everything outside of you, you're, you're looking for validation from everything outside of you too, which is, uh, which is why I think I lied so much. Fuck, I lied a lot. You know, <laughs> I'm just like really, I'm just like really sitting that with with that right now, even. And, um, yeah, man, I, I had those thoughts too, bro. Like, yo, you know, if I don't tell them, if I don't lie to them that I got in a fight, they're gonna think I'm a pussy. They're gonna think I'm, a, I'm less less of a man so interesting are the social conditionings of of men right Mm -hmm. young boys yeah wild i appreciate you sharing that and i think it's that's it's such a journey to recognize how we were as children and how that's impacting us right now And, and just the fact that you were like you know i feel like i lied a lot is a hard narrative and a hard story to bring to the surface but it gives you the opportunity really to see like what the lies were for and how they served you because in the end of the day like the lies were there to protect you right you were trying to just self-protection self-preservation in any go maybe right and any opportunity to do that uh, especially in a space where you probably didn't feel fully safe because you didn't have um, the traditional family unit and you didn't have the man around and your mom was was often working and stuff like you really you're just looking for somewhere to be safe and so at the end of the day you just did everything you possibly could to get there Yep. Right. And that's beautiful because that was your, your mind's way of just doing its best to just self-preserve, self-preserve, survive, like make it like, don't, you know, go the other direction. And, um, uh, it, it's tough to realize sometimes that that's actually the case, but uh, I appreciate you sharing because it's tough to be like, you know what? I lied to all my friends growing up and I lied to the people that were closest to me and that mm-hmm. doesn't feel good. And I'm, so I'm very grateful that you shared that. Cause I think that will resonate with a lot of men too. Um, and so it's, oh, it's okay. It's okay that you did that. Um, but I can't imagine you doing it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you know, the, the, I, I, I deeply agree with you when it, when uh, you were talking about, it was a defense mechanism to keep me safe. Right. And the beautiful thing about like, on, I think undoing that, those things these days is when you're, when we can like really lean into vulnerability and share the truth of how we were, um, in a safe container where the people around you can actually meet you with love that changes something in your nervous system around like, Oh, like I can reveal my mess and, and be loved for it. And, and not, not only be loved for it, but also help someone else on their healing journey too, because they're going through the exact same thing or have gone through the exact same thing. It's like, God damn permission to be vulnerable permission to, own our story, um, you know, transform our, our mess into, into a message. Right. Absolutely. And I feel like that segues beautifully into the question that I, I wanted to ask next. I think that um, we could talk about our childhoods for uh, the entire conversation, which is so powerful. And I appreciate you sharing, but something you mentioned there is being able to support people on their journey into, into that discovery and, and your bio. And I don't know about how you feel about Instagram bios, but I feel like there's a lot of pressure that comes with an Instagram bio, especially if you are in this space where you're serving, I feel like I've changed mine like 30 times or countless times. Like, is this clear enough? Is this appropriate? Does this get the message across? Like I've changed it so many times. Uh, It just seems like it's this new social status or the new Facebook status we used to have back in the day. But in yours specifically, you have, uh, it says helping men achieve inner confidence and integrity. And the reason I wanted to bring this up is because I think there's so much 
like I said, value that you've placed into using that specific phrase, those specific types of words, and they must resonate with you on a deeper level for you to be willing to put them out there as that's what you support other people with. Mm. So when you write in there, inner confidence and integrity, I feel like we got a bit about that with your story, but what do you mean by that? What do you mean by confidence, integrity, and what do those words even mean to you? Yeah, totally. I love that question. Well, confidence, because I feel like a lot of guys, you know, we live, you know, doubting ourselves so much in our mind, you know, like that, that question that you brought up earlier, like, am I even a man? It's shrouded in, in doubt. And, and um, I feel like in, in my own, you know, when I serve clients and when I serve men, it has to be, you know, the, the service that I offer or the, the program or the, the, the offering or whatever you want to call it it has to be tethered to my story. Right. And, um, I would say like with, with confidence, it's like, Hey, are you showing up with full ownership of everything? Right. Are you, are you acknowledging your, your wins, but also your challenges, you know, your successes and your failures, the highs and the lows, your light and your shadows, like are you looking at all that stuff and, and it doesn't have to be perfect, but are you beginning to reconcile that? Uh, because you know when you start owning things that's where confidence comes from and confidence is a big it's a it's a sensitive spot for a lot of guys you know i i've done a i did an inventory of like the last like 21 22 clients that i've had and you know i had to look at okay what's the common what is the common denominator and it's two things it's confidence and integrity it's like these guys they desire more confidence most of these guys look for that confidence outside of themselves instead of inside themselves, right? Um, integrity piece. So for me, integrity means like, well, first of all, before I get into integrity, does anything come up for you with confidence? I don't want to jump too quickly. No, I think that's great. I think uh, confidence is, is a fascinating concept. And I like how you said that confidence comes from ownership. And not necessarily from achieving or from getting something. It, it comes from owning yourself as a person. And that's where it seems to uh, actually align in the sense of like, oh, like I'm doing all these things now, but those things aren't necessarily what make me confident. What makes me confident is owning my light and my dark and the the pieces of my past and the pieces of my present and where I'm headed and how I feel today. Owning those things create the confidence. And I, lo- I love that definition. So that's what came up for me. I think this is interesting because, you know, I'm going to suggest that Kyle, you know, maybe write this down because something came up for me um, when you were talking there. Kyle had mentioned in a previous podcast that when he does these consultations with men, they're looking for a one, two, three, four, five. We're looking to fix the problem. What is the step process to achieving X, right? So when you reverse engineer that whole entire thing and you go, okay, if men are struggling with confidence, right, and they're seeking for confidence outside themselves to achieve achievements, naturally I'm in a one, two, three, four, five step process. I'm like, I'm trying to get to here. I don't have confidence. I want achievements. What are the steps to get me to here? And then I'll get the confidence. What you do is you completely flip it back on its head. You go, Hey, we're not trying to get anywhere, which is what Kyle is trying to say to these people. I don't have a step process for you. What I'm trying to do is create ownership within yourself, which will give you the confidence to achieve the things that you're trying to achieve. Yes. And so your ability to throw that word back on the client and be like, get out of this one, two, three, four, five achievement process, because that's what we're used to trying to find confidence in is this fix it place. 
one word completely changes that whole entire narrative. We're going, I'm going to create confidence through ownership and see how now all of a sudden I feel like there's no steps to that. Like you just ruined the whole step process by just going, (laughs) Hey, we're going to take it. We're going to ownership, which I'm, I'm already thinking like, we're going to address fear of failure. We're going to address your shadow. We're going to address um, vulnerability, right? Like that word almost is like a uno reverse card. It's like, it goes back the other way on the whole entire <laughs> system, goes back the other way on the whole entire process. So um, I love that definition of confidence, like, like more than you could believe, especially in the men's space. And I love that it's on this platform because that's how you take a word and you take the masculine and you redefine it. Yeah. How masculine, how traditionally we think about that word confidence is achievements, things that are in front of you outside your body. What we're trying to create is a conversation around ownership, vulnerability. We're trying to, we're trying to uno this thing the other way. And that's what we're trying to speak to. That's what this platform is trying to speak to is the opposite direction of the same word, you know, and the society has made us think of it as one way based on the gender that we're, we're born into. Um, so I love your definition of that, man. I think you should really continue to keep going down that path. That's a great definition of confidence. Yeah, man. And, and it, it is tied to the integrity piece, um, really closely. And, you know, for, for me, integrity, uh, if I may continue, please. Yeah. Uh, for, for me, integrity, it, it's about looking at our lives and looking at our energy. Like what is, what is lingering in my world, in my field, things that, people don't normally see or cannot see at all. What is tugging at my energy? You know, is there, um, is there, you know, uh, a conversation that I know I need to be having that I'm, I'm putting to the side. Is there, is there, is there a bill that, is there some debt that I have to pay that I, that I'm just not looking at, you know, is there, is there a woman in my life that I'm dating, but I'm, I'm half, I'm half in, like, I know I'm half in. Right. And I know that she could be with someone else better but I'm keeping her because that just makes me feel safe. For me, it's like, what are those things in, in a man's life that he's not fully, he knows there's something there and it's pulling on his energy. And so when I say that I work with guys on their integrity, we sit down, we look at all of that present day integrity, past integrity, right? Integrity that you have between you and another person. Uh, integrity that you have with you and your own self, your own word. You know, are you are you saying are you committing to you know uh, you know the gym? You know, three four days a week, but you're you're not really showing up. Do you feel good about that? You know, is that is that true for you? It's not about feeling good. Actually, is that is does that is that true? Right. And so, the beautiful thing about when a guy decides and jumps on this train of like, okay, I'm ready to clean my my integrity. I'm ready to clean my energy and, and, and cover up the leaks. What he does is he creates more space in his life, right? And when you have more space and when you have a clean energy, now you can talk about the one, two, three, four, five step thing, right? Now, because that's, that's good stuff. I think those are great. I don't want to antagonize that. I just think it's used at the wrong time. Mm. I think there's a huge step that needs to come before that for a guy is like, you know, what are my values? What are my principles? Do I have a code? You know, like, where am I out of integrity? You know, am I, what am I not owning up to? What am I not, what am I not acknowledging in my life? Right. That stuff, that meaty stuff needs to come first before creating anything in my, in my humble opinion. Uh, A lot of guys, like they, they come searching for purpose. They're like, help me live more, 
with more purpose. What's my purpose? And it's like, brother, like, we're not going to entertain that question yet. You know, we'll get there. But there's there are things that come first. And integrity is, is one of those things, right? I, I appreciate you sharing that because integrity has been such a large component in my life. And I'm grateful to hear that that is something that you support people with, because I do think that it is um, it, it's a missing piece of the puzzle in a lot of cases. And what I what I love about the idea of integrity, that working off your definition and your idea of what it is, is what you speak on is um, just expressing or standing tall in your truth. I feel like for me, integrity is very much just your personal truth. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you share it with people. It's not always the case. I think I got lost in the idea of integrity being only specifically my word that I've expressed or that I've mentally noted. I always believed that that was integrity. So when everyone asked me what my favorite characteristic was about myself, I'd always say integrity. And then as I developed that idea, I realized that integrity was never really the, my specific word, although that is a component of it. it. It is who I believe myself to be and standing in that understanding and that definition, regardless of the circumstance. And once I navigated that, that's when I really felt like, oh, okay, now I feel like I have integrity because I'm not self-sacrificing. And I had self-sacrificed hundreds of times before that, but I never thought that was challenging my integrity. I just presumed it was something separate, but they're so directly correlated and have everything to do with each other. And it just makes so much sense looking back on why I didn't necessarily always feel good about my decisions, even though they felt like they were in line with my integrity was because they were in line with what I was speaking, but they weren't in line with what I was feeling. Mm. And that lack of embodiment of what I believe to be true about myself, which I wasn't fully aware of anyway, was that separation, was that um, the idea that the body keeps score, right? Like my body was noticing that I was doing this and it was causing, you know, tiredness and exhaustion and, uh, lack of presence and, and all a myriad of all of other things. So uh, I'm grateful that you have that in there. Integrity is such a huge component. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, man. I, uh, I agree with the whole, the, I think, I think word is bond is kind of where, you know, the integrity kind of sits with me is, you know, do what you say you're going to do, um, you know, and when you guys kind of unpackage it there, um, something that I had to kind of learn along my journey is not necessarily redefining my integrity, but integrity is also when you're confused, it's hard to have integrity because you're confused. You don't really know what you're holding your integrity like up against. You know, when you talk about values and stuff like that, like that's important, right? Like now these are the values that I'm carrying out and I'm holding my integrity to these values, you know, but when you're in defining mode, it, it almost goes to a place of just like be a good person, be a bad person, being a good person is being, you know, having integrity, being a bad person is not, but there's more components of that in terms of as you start to define yourself, integrity becomes what you've defined yourself as and, and what you're going against. Right. And so um, being younger, I always felt like I always could find the good side of things. Like I could always find, you know, the integrity and in like being the good person and all of those kind of things. So I've never really had the challenges of trying to hold my integrity with a decision I knew was good or bad, but leaning and saying, Hey, I'm going to do this. This is the kind of person that I am. And then being challenged and being like, can I hold on to what I said I was going to do? That mm -hmm. was where all the challenge came from, for me, you know? And yeah it brings up a lot of stuff for me in religion, 
right? Religion. I grew up in a very religious household and I'm navigating these, you know, the North American norms in the Western world. And so often I'd be like, I'm very religious. I'm stuck to this like thing. And then the world would come at me and I'd be like, oh, my integrity is being challenged really hard here. And then you go, you make a couple mistakes and, um, and then you feel like you're so out of alignment. And what's crazy is that I think sometimes when you, you feel like you've done one thing, let's call it sinning, you know, let's say you say you feel like you're, you've sinned. The unraveling of that is very quick for the rest of it to fall, start falling apart. Like when you fall out of integrity with one thing, it's so quick to just kind of, I feel like mm. knock the rest of the, the rest of the poles down, you know, instead of being like, Hey, you're not like, you're not a person that's completely out of integrity. You've made a mistake. Like, let's just honor the mistake and move forward and get back to the plan that we already had. You know, um, I think that we go all in or all out sometimes with integrity because we're like, I already did these two things wrong. So I might as well just send it with the rest. You know what I mean? And then, and then now we're navigating completely being out of integrity and not what I've noticed is that in my life, if integrity has like all these subdivisions, there's sometimes I feel out of integrity with certain areas of my life, but in other areas, I'm very strong. You know, my integrity is very good. And now it's mm-hmm. a focus more on just, Hey, this area that you're out of integrity in, like, I like how you put it in these little containers like I'm in integrity in a lot of spaces of my life, but these areas I'm struggling with. So let's put more focus on these areas. You're not yeah. someone who doesn't have integrity. You're just, you don't have it in these areas, these disciplines you're struggling with, you know? Um, so that's what kind of comes up for me in terms of the world of integrity. Um, and Andy, how, how do you feel like you would develop your integrity? Cause I think that's a, obviously the, the man logical space is like, okay, guys, I get it. Like truths and, and words and all this stuff. This is great. But uh, I'm sure on some level they're looking for like, okay, like how do I start to begin the journey towards developing my integrity? If someone came to you and said, okay, I love your bio. How do you go about this process with me in the sense of like helping me entertain the idea of developing my personal sense of integrity how would you go about that process or what would you give to them in that space yeah well like um you mentioned something earlier like there's different components to integrity right and through the the coaching work that the guys join me uh, on the journey we we break integrity up into three components so there's integrity of your word uh, integrity of your body and integrity of your heart so we start there you know you start defining what those things are what they mean to the guys and we we come up with a like an inventory you know and it's like okay let's let's sit down and let's let's brainstorm this thing you know anything that comes up for you just throw it down on the list like we go through a little meditation the guys just really drops in and think about your past you know bring him back to 15 years old bring him back to 20 25 years old wherever that guy is in his life right and like what what is landing in the heart you know what comes up and he starts you know we start building this this inventory up and then we started looking at each item like, Hey, you know, does this fall under integrity of your word? You know, like let's, again, I used the example earlier, like maybe there's a really tough conversation um, that you're supposed to have, but you didn't follow up on, you know, that would be integrity of your word. Um, maybe there's an item that says like, uh, I've been eating, you know, I've been eating too much, you know, fast food lately. And I know in my heart that, that that's not good for me. That could be integrity of your body. Right. And then, Integrity of your heart could be an item like, let's say a man is at a at a job that he just he hates, and he's been there for for eight nine years, and he knows that there's more, but he he's he's choosing to to stay to stay there, and um, for whatever reason that it, that is for that guy, obviously you know respect him for that, but it is gnawing at his heart. So I would say that is like 
um, integrity, an example for integrity of your heart. So we start identifying like awareness is one of the very first steps to, um, to, to development, right? A lot of these guys don't even know, you know, a lot of, a lot of the times, not that they don't even know, but maybe they've come, they've, it, it hit them somewhere and it hurts so much that they just repressed it. Right. And now the work is like, Hey, let's bring this back on the table. Um, and you're not alone on this. I'm here with you and let's go through this. And, you know, again, first thing is acknowledging that list, looking at it. Right. And then eventually, you know, we can get into some actionables to be like, Hey, like let's, let's come up with, um, you know, a solution here for you to, to, to have that conversation. What's, what's getting in the way of that. You know, and uh, a lot of the times these guys just, they need a coach in the corner or they need some sort of accountability partner to be like, Hey man, like, thank you for reminding me that I needed to have that conversation. I had it. It was amazing. It was hard, but it was amazing. And my energy just feels so much more cleaner now uh, because of it. And and the one thing I also wanted to say around this, this topic of, of integrity, you guys is like the, that list, that inventory, we're always going to have it. It's not about having a perfect record, right? You know, to have and maintain a perfect record is actually living a small life. If you really think about it, trying to walk on eggshells and keep a clean streak all the time. It's not living fully, right? I think living fully is like, you know, really being bold in your life and you're going to fuck up. You're going to mess up and you're going to acknowledge it. You're going to bring awareness to it and you're going to find ways to reconcile it. In, in whatever way possible along the way. And it's not a permission to be reckless uh, by any means. Uh, like you were saying, Anwar, like, just like, I, you know, I'm just going to let it all go. <laughs> no, it's, it's more like, no, I'm going to live authentically. I'm going to live in my truth. And what, what comes with that is I'm going to, I'm going to screw up once in a while. And if I screw up, I'm going to find it in my heart to, to acknowledge it, to apologize, to take ownership, whatever that is. And, and then we move on. Um, but I just think a lot of guys, they either they don't live, you know, that nice guy syndrome. They don't live the bold life. They live small. And so they don't make any mistakes, but they're, they, they live with like a lot of closure in their heart. Um, uh, and then on the other end of the spectrum, it's the man that is all out and he's burning. So he's burning stuff. He's, he's, he's kind of destructive in a way. And, and he's not wanting to look at that that list or even create one in the first place. Right. So I hope that answers your question, Kyle. And more than answers my question. There was so much value in there that we could pull. That was, that was powerful. Thank you for sharing. And it's just such a great process. I love that the, the heart and the, the mind and the body, uh, it's a beautiful framework that I feel like I could walk away with right now and be like, oh, okay, I can, I can take stock of this and notice very simply and very effectively. It's powerful. You know, what's crazy though. It's like, I've seen guys like step uh you know complete that process for the first time and they walk out of it and they're like i got a new business idea mm. you know like, because not from those things but from the spaciousness from from the from that newfound energy creativity starts flowing when you start unblocking and, and cleaning up your your energy leaks right I, i've seen guys step into big love and their relation like powerful relationships after because they clean their integrity you know, I, ha I had one guy who he was like seeing like he was dating like 11 women. And a part of our integrity process with him was that he needed to consciously close the doors on all 11 women. 
And he's like, I don't know how to do it. He's like, it doesn't feel good. I'm like, okay, we're going to go like, yo, dude, like, you know, one woman at a time, let's communicate this with her, you know, acknowledge with her. Hey, I'm holding your heart and I'm not the one that's supposed to, and I'm leading you in the wrong direction. I need to end this. Okay. And we did that. We went through the product. It took like four months, right? 11 women. And he's like, clean this, this grounded energy. And then now he's like, now he's got so much clarity on what he actually wants because he's not distracting himself with these quick hits and with these the, and when i say quick hits i mean like that serotonin like that chemical thing that you know that he was addicted to really so yeah wow yeah that's, i i really i think there's a lot there man like i think it's a lot of um you know, in the takeaways at the end of this conversation, I think that uh, there's a couple of things that you've said that I've written down that I want to, I want, I'll kind of summarize it all at the end, but you know, there's something that you said there that I wanted to kind of, you're talking about these processes, you're talking about these habits, these, you know, clean energy. Um, you talk a lot about, you know, even before getting into the heart and into, you know, the, um, the, the body and uh, what was the other one, the heart, the body and the word the word for, for integrity, you said that you try to get them into that meditative state, like let's go in a little bit so that they can find that, that space. And you talk a lot about breath work. You talk a lot about meditation. We've done a lot of that in this podcast too. And I, you know, I wanted to know, you know, for you, two things, one, the journey towards meditation and breath work, right? Like, I think that we all have a different kind of thing that we're looking for when we enter those spaces, like, you know, meditation and breath work. And sometimes it's to calm the storm. Sometimes it's to um, find, you know, that peace and that tranquility. But other times it's to find um, just what am I thinking about? I don't even know what I'm thinking about. You know, like, I'm just kind of, I don't even have thoughts. Like, I, I just know I'm living and I'm breathing, but I'm not conscious about anything that I'm, I'm thinking about. Like, it all just kind of lives there. And you, you know, so I wanted to know what was your path towards meditation and breath work? And oh. why do you think it's so beneficial, um, you know, to, to, the, to the human body um, in terms of finding clean energy? Yeah, I love that, bro. Um, meditation for me, I'll be honest, like I, I did it for so, so long. I didn't know why. Like I had no, you know, I just, I did it because it's like, oh, I, again, I think that everyone else is doing it. Robin Sharma says good things about it. It's like, okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. Let's just do it. Um, but it was, it was not until recently where I actually got way more intentional about like why I meditate, you know, what does that actually bring for me? Why do I do breath work instead of just doing it? Right. Why do I do breath work? What does that mean for me? I have to give credit uh, to two guys um Wim Hof and uh John Wineland I've done workshops with both those guys um and god damn like when you when you can like really for me it's like with meditation and breath work when we can honor those practices automatically we're just more in our body and less in our mind you know I think with meditation a lot of people think like oh it's you're in your mind and or you stop thinking so they say you stop thinking Mm -hmm. um, and it's not necessarily that it's like, you're still thinking, you know, but you're just in your body while you're thinking instead of in your mind while you're thinking. And that, that's a huge difference because again, you know, with breath work and with meditation, I'm always going to bring it back to what I said earlier. It's like, it's just another way to create more space, more space in one's life to slow. And when you have more space, you, you slow down. And when you slow down, you can actually, 
be bring more awareness. You can actually, um, you know, respond instead of react. Like all these benefits from from operating from a from spaciousness, from operating from from a, from a calm heart, right, and a calm and a clear mind. And yeah, breath work it's it's huge. It really is like it's a huge part. I think every I think every guy needs to, um you know, get at least at the very least, get curious about what that looks like for him. And uh, yeah, that's what, that's what drops in for me, man. It's just a huge part of it. Embodiment. I think Kyle, you said the word, you mentioned the word embodiment earlier, right. To be in the body and uh, to, to let, I think there's a, there's a thing around completion. It's like let, letting things complete itself. So if, if you're, if you're having some feelings of grief come up, Breathing and meditating is creating a safe container for yourself for that to complete, to be complete. We we oftentimes cut things off before they, before they're 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 kind of done, right? And what ends up happening is those things that we cut off too soon, they compound, they compound, and that's when we have patterns. We bring things from one relationship to the next, or from one job to the next, right? And so again, like breath work, meditation, spaciousness, man slowing down i love that isn't it's so fascinating to me the the concept of breath work i think about how often someone says the word breath or you see someone say like i I need a i need to take a breath or i sometimes i share on my instagram story like take a second and breathe but as soon as i hear the word breathe i automatically notice that or at least i feel like wait am i breathing guys, my breathing. And it's so fascinating to me because I'm not conscious of it all the time, right? This natural process of our body happens all the time, but to drop into even just this conversation and have the word breath come out as you were talking, I was like, (sighs) like I wanted to breathe. I wanted to be conscious of a deep breath. Uh, And that's what I love so much about it. So when you say, you know, I, I want to invite other men to get into it. I think uh, what I love about it is I'm sure most men just took a breath and I think that's beautiful. And that in of, in of itself is a beautiful process of inviting yourself into breath work. So I'm grateful that you shared that. And I'm grateful that you uh, do that and are a part of that. Uh, Cause it's so, it's so beautiful. Um, breath work is powerful. It's so powerful. Thank you for it's sharing. So, and it's so simple too, isn't it? You know, I mm-hmm. feel like a lot of guys when they're, when they want to get into self-work, they're like, like, what's the one, two, three, four, five, what's the strategy what is the, it's like, and then you blow them apart when you just say, bro, just breathe. <laughs> just start there. <laughs> just breathe. Just breathe 10% deeper, 15% deeper, you know, start there. And you're like, what? <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and yeah. sometimes it's not received well because it's too simple. I've been trying to navigate these very complicated problems. Like we talked about, you know, asking for help in our, you know, one of our previous episodes and, you know, something that came up in that conversation was this idea that we all have isolated problems, like as if it's a standalone problem, like no one else deals with that problem either. Like your problem is so isolated. You can't share with anybody because who else could be navigating this complex thing that I'm working on? Like this is, you know, um, and so it almost disrupts this idea that like everything we need to be doing in life needs to be complex. You've got to be one step ahead of the competition. You have to be like, it can't be as simple as breathing. Everyone can breathe. Like there's no way that, how is that going to create separation? You know, um, how am I going to get ahead of the pack? How am I going to become a part of the pack? Um, if that's what you're struggling with. So um, 
I, one thing that I love that you said that, you know, I hear, I hear a lot of talks about meditation. And even for me, it's like, I can't define how it helps. I just know it helps me, you know? So when people are like, mm -hmm. why is it good for you? I try to articulate it the best way I can, but it's, it's a feeling, right? It's like, I just know what it makes, does for me. Uh, you know, my roommate is the kind of person who meditates every single day for 15 minutes in between, like, I don't know when he does it, but it's an everyday thing for him hasn't necessarily ever been an everyday thing for me. It's always been something I, it's a space that I enter. It's like, I call it a tool in my toolbox. I know when to use it and I know mm -hmm. when I need it, but it's not a, it's not a, it's not a daily practice. And I've tried to incorporate it as a daily practice, but it doesn't resonate as much. Um, I notice, and I don't know why it doesn't resonate as much because sometimes I have a natural calm demeanor. So when I, I'm meditating in already a calm state, it's almost like I use it to pull me into that state sometimes, you know, like, I'm unraveling. And so I'm using the tool to get me into the state that I know I can be in sometimes. And naturally, like when you woke up this morning, didn't text anybody, you came in here, you're kind of sitting in that meditative calm state. You're like, all right, ruffle my feathers. I'm ready. I'm calm. Mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes I, I'm not in that. I'll spend three, four days in a very hectic headspace and I use it. I'm like, get it out. Let's calm ourselves down mm -hmm. and then let's take it. So I've always kind of, I call it abuse the tool. Like I use it to my advantage. Like I just like use it to kind of almost like a supplement, you know, like, um, but you said something there and this might be the tipping point for me to, um, one, explain it better. And two, respect it as more of a daily practice. What it does is like you said, it brings you into your body and not your mind. And that illusion is confusing for people to add more context there. We have thoughts, but we don't take the time to understand how we feel about those thoughts. And that's why it's in the body, right? Like that's mm -hmm. why it's in your body. Because when you sit there and you're breathing and you go, your finances flash before your eyes, your body does something and you're taking note of the heart's beating faster. You're sweating. It means you're probably bothered by what's going on in your financial world, right? Like you can feel it in your body, like that pisses me off or that's bothering me. And then you can start to assess and put things like, like for me, prioritize, prioritize the things based on what's causing me the most. Sometimes I'm like, I'm feeling anxious. I'm very stressed, but I don't know what one part of my life is stressing me out or what one part of my life is causing the most anxiety. Right. Um, yeah. And stopping sitting down, having thoughts that you're actually conscious of and you're feeling how your body feels about the thoughts organizes it all a lot better and in a more efficient manner. Um, and so I like that. I like that you explain that because it's very natural to think meditating is all in the mind and it's not really. Yeah. Have you guys heard of um, this, uh, this method called active meditation? I think it originated from Osho. Have you guys heard of that before? No, it's, I it sounds, sounds familiar. I, is it something yeah. along the lines of like staring at a, a lit candle, like your eyes are open meditation? Uh, no, no, I think that's something, oh, okay. I think that's something else. Yeah. So, uh, just a short story here, um, you know, with, uh, active meditation, that was one of the experiences that I've had. It was at a men's retreat that really like shook my nervous system up was like, Oh, like this is not just about the mind. <laughs> this is about everything. And so the, the meditation was, uh, an hour and 15 minutes. And it, it consisted of uh, four different parts. And the first part, it was, it was so interesting. And you do this. So I did, I'll explain this, this whole story. I was at a men's retreat. There were 65 other guys there. And we were all in this gymnasium. And the uh, facilitator, his name was uh, 
Tirtha. He was, he's the founder of uh, the Samurai Brotherhood, a men's community in Vancouver, based out of Vancouver. And he led this retreat and he led us through this uh, act of meditation that he learned uh, when he was uh, training with Osho back in like the 60s. It was earlier on. So he walked us through this, this meditation. He's like, hey, everybody spread out, find your, find your place in, in the room. It was a huge room. Close your eyes, right? And then he would turn on uh, this like tribal music. And, he, and then he would say out loud, he's like, okay, show me your wild man. Like just embody him. Like he's like, beat your chest, yell, scream, whatever comes up for you. And I've never experienced anything like that before. And like the first thing that comes to my mind is uh, it was it's so interesting. Like I'm going to look stupid, but everyone has their eyes closed. So it didn't even matter. And that's why everyone's eyes were closed. It's like, no, you're going in, you're, you're going in. And so, you know, you start just to move your body and the first like three minutes, you're just kind of forcing like, ah, you're just like kind of going at it. And then something clicks and something just takes over and you get into like full primal mode like ape shit like you're in it you're thrashing you're screaming you're essentially what you're grieving you're grieving something in your body is triggered to now grieve i was i was crying i was yelling i was screaming i found myself on my knees like punching the ground like and you know i i was having visuals while this was all happening like i was feeling all the women that I was, um, that I had dated and that I went through heartbreaks with. I, I had my father come up. I had my mother come up in my thoughts. And I was just like, the body is just taking it all over. It was just screaming, right? And then so the music then turns off after like 15, 20 minutes. And uh, he's like, okay, everyone get up, keep your eyes closed, find your center again, put your hands up like this and start jumping up and down start jumping up and down like this and saying, who am I? Ask, keep on asking yourself, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? So all the 65 men, we're all just saying at the same time, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? It was like a ego death, you know, kind of process. It's like you're, you're, you're killing parts, you greed something, you're killing parts of yourself. It was painful. Like you can feel it in your knees and your eyes and your arms and your, your shoulders. And, um, you know, that, that part then ended. And then he was like, okay, next part. He, he turned on the music again. And it was like more of like a flowy, softer music. It's like, keep your eyes closed and now just flow and just dance. Just dance. So, you know, you started to move your body. And then this is where you're really stepping into that, that feminine energy. Now it's like, you just went through a process. Now let's move and let's flow with that energy. So it, like, it was like ecstatic dancing. I think it's what, what it is. Now that I look back at it, it's a bunch of ecstatic dancing. And um, I decided to, I remember I was like, I decided I wanted to peek a little bit. Like I wanted to open my eyes and I opened my eyes and I saw 60 uh, plus men in front of me. Some guys were like really into it. They're like flowing and going at it. And then there's some guys that were just completely still and just swaying a little bit. I found that really interesting. Now that I look back at that, it's like some guys are just a little bit more open and others. Some guys have different capacities of masculine and feminine. Right. And then after that process ended, it was just complete silence and stillness taking, uh, taking that yoga tree pose and a mountain pose and just completely sitting in silence. And 
And then the last part was Kay. He's like, everyone go out and go for a nature walk by yourself for 15 minutes, just soaking up nature. So, you know, five part meditation, it was called an active meditation. Something changed inside of me that day around embodiment that I wanted to share. And I needed to go, oh, I needed to walk you guys through that entire process to see like there were so many moving parts to it. Uh, and it's never just sit down, close your eyes, you know? It can look it can look so many ways. Thanks for listening. <laughs> I, feel, I just feel like I got walked through a journey. Uh, I was lost in the sauce. I was imagining being there uh, with you that whole time and just what that would be like. And I, I could feel the... Uh, the body responding to having to let out that wild man, which I know is is so challenging. And even for myself at all, at so many components to let that person out as if uh, I'm constantly rejecting that person in me, right? Because I feel like it's not societally appropriate. So I'm rejecting it. So the idea of having a space to be allowed to embrace that and open that um, is triggering to be quite honest with you, is a bit triggering. And then to do ecstatic dancing, I've done it before. And it's incredibly uncomfortable because it, again, seems like people are going to judge you and that there's a specific way to do it and there's steps. So I, I just imagining all of that thing was a journey, but at the same time, I felt my body being like, like clenching at the idea, the thought of, of even being in that gymnasium. So uh, I appreciate you sharing. Uh, that was a journey for me for sure. Yeah, man. Yeah, really cool. Yeah, I love I love stories like that. It's crazy how and meditation, it just it just shows the diversity of meditation, right? Like um often when I, you know, share my journey towards meditation, it's funny. I I I found meditation in yoga. Like that was the first, you know, I was I was going to yoga and I was not flexible. Um, but I enjoyed the forcefulness of being like, just hold that and breathe. And I found the, 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 the breathing elements of yoga, like that calm when you stop and you breathe or Shavasana, for example, that beginning yoga pose. I, I really liked that. And I was like, I don't like the flexibility stuff in yoga, but I do like this breathing component that's within this yoga, like this, like this mindfulness part. Like, oh, that's meditation. You can do that separately too. That's just a part of, you know, the yoga practice. And I was like, oh, and then I kind of took that out and I did that separately. Um, and so there's just so many different versions, active meditation, there's, you know, I, I just, so I implore where I want to kind of come back with this conversation is, you know, where three people who are, I would say, I feel like you've gone way, like you're doing some more yoga stuff that are more down the further the line, you know, um, I would say I'm still very, very novice in my, 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 my meditation experience. But when you're coaching these men and you're helping them find that space, I love giving our audience takeaways, like how to get started, a how-to. Like it's it's cool for us to talk about pounding the ground and closing our eyes and doing these. Mm -hmm. like, they, it's hard to get there, very hard to get there. And some people are yes. like, "How do I start? Like, what do I, mm -hmm. how do I? What is your kind of approach to getting people in the door of breath work, getting getting men in the door of meditation? Um, and what do you think has worked in um, you know men receiving that that door? that that entrance that welcome um and it's actually worked for them yeah philosophy that i stand by probably till the day that i die is um less less is more less and deeper less but deeper right um and uh, I, I like to subscribe guys with a morning practice guys like 
get up at a, a reasonable time. You don't have to, you know, join a 5 a.m. club or anything like that, but wake up at a reasonable time and really commit to um, a very intimate practice just for yourself, you know? And like, honestly, guys who are very new to it, 20 minutes, a uh, combination between uh, movement, breath, and stillness, right? So I, I would like to say like, so if it's 20 minutes, like, you know, five, uh, five minutes of uh, 10 minutes of breath work, right? Actually, no, let's say, yeah, 20 minutes is usually what I subscribe for guys that are new. And I would say like, yeah, five minutes of breath work, 10 minutes of movement, and five minutes of meditation. Very simple. And, um, you know, I start using the terminologies like, and I get this from guys like uh, teachers like David Data and John Wineland. They use this, uh, the terminology container. They create a, a structural, create a container for yourself and honor that container um, as often as you can and make it sacred. You know, like this is yours. Like no one, you're untouchable in these, in this 20 minutes. Your emails can't touch you. Your kids can't, you know, like set the precedence for yourself. That's, you know, self-honoring and self-respect, right? And super simple. That's it, man. You know, like same thing every morning, 20 minutes, breath, movement, stillness in that order. Incredible, simple. And I am going to, I'm going to counter with a question because I'm sure you've experienced this. I'm sure there's men listening and I know I've been there before that are mm -hmm. saying, I just can't make the time. I don't have the time. I can't wake up that early. And I know I've been there. And I, I know that it has been, an, it's an ongoing journey of opening up myself to some of these spaces. Uh, and so what would you say to a man who is either a client or not that says, you know what? I just can't make time for that. It's 20 minutes is too much. Yeah. I would say, I would say, um, switch your language and say, it's not a priority and, and own that, mm. you know, we have time. It's just, you're not, it's not a priority. And I think there's like, there's an ownership there that the guy can really fall into. It's like, okay, you know, however, I don't get that a lot because when guys start coaching with me, um, before we even begin, before, before the, uh, there was any, any sort of transaction or even their, their first call, I set a boundary. It's like, you know, what you want out of this is what you're going to have to put in bro, brother, you know, like, you're going to have to show up fully, you know, and I welcome, I welcome rebuttals and stuff like that, but they don't happen often. If you, if you preface appropriately from the get-go and, uh, the guys know they're like, uh, you know, I'm going to push your buttons. I'm going to ask you to do things that don't make sense. And are you going to show up anyways? And there's no right or wrong answer. If the answer is no, then, uh, we can revisit this coaching opportunity at a later time. What, like, where, what, what are your priorities at the moment? Like, that'll probably be the, the question I ask them back. Mm. Yeah. Wild. I love that. I love yeah. that. Thanks for And I think that's, it's again, we've been talking and sharing simple, simple things. And that's a simple, simple, that is a simple language shift of, of what your priority. Cause you talked about earlier, ownership is such a huge component of integrity. So we're just coming full circle back to that. It's, it's just, is owning your priorities is, is owning exactly where you're at right now and knowing exactly what that looks like. And I know even just as you shared that when I was in that space, if I don't have enough time, I was absolutely not owning the position that I was in. And there was components that I was choosing not to look at and I didn't want to face. And so that furthered my struggle with opening up myself to some of these practices and opening up that space. But once I did, 
it was revolutionary because that simple morning practice that I purposely prioritized and made a part of my day uh, in the morning, it completely shifted how I was not only for the rest of the day, but just like week by week. And, you know, and it's the idea of the meditation we keep talking about is meditation is for me a slower process. It is a slower, mm-hmm. consistent process that allowed me to see things more clearly over time, less of a like, um, I have to do it today because I'm exhausted or tired or overwhelmed, although it's beautiful in those spaces too. And I use that there. Um, it was the slower process. So I like the idea of just shifting that language from uh, I can't make time to, it's just not a priority for me. And yeah. if that's the case, then don't do it. That's okay yeah. too. That that's yeah. that's your priority. That's your prerogative. Yeah. Do you guys think that when 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 people say like I don't have time, do you think it's just like a an easy way out, or they truly don't have time? And what are your thoughts? Yeah, I I, I lean more towards it's a, it's a it's an easy it's an easy way out. You know what I mean? Because um, the reality is that everybody on this planet navigates the same time it's not it's not privilege oriented it's not like time is actually the one thing that is in my opinion very even we all have 24 hours everybody right um and i think the people that get ahead and the people that use it as a crutch the difference is is that ownership of those 24 hours you know and that priority and that commitment level to the things that they do within those 24 hours um the the one thing that I think that often the caveat, and I really like that language shift that you had is when you say, I also think that the people who usually say I don't have enough time are, are, are also the people who are struggling with two words, ownership and accountability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you're not in a space in your life where you're, 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 you're owning, um, you know, how you feel about certain things and um, you, you're lacking the accountability of like your life ultimately. Um, because the, when I've been in those spaces, I'm, when I say, when I used to say things like, I don't have time, it was a way to deflect something that I should be doing, but I'm saying I don't have enough time to do it. So I was, it was a, it was a deflecting thing. And also when you say, I don't have enough time, it makes it a universe problem, not an annual problem. Immediately the shift there, it's not an Anwar problem. It's the universe's problem. There's not enough time. Like if there was more time, I would do it. See how I'm like asking for like, well, if there's now 26 out, imagine, imagine, (laughs) right? A world where, you know, whatever you believe in, imagine, you know, God was like, all right, here's 26 hours. I gave you two extra hours. The excuse would continue, right? (laughs) It it wouldn't be the same thing. You're you're lying. Like, I, I wish some people, and I think it goes back to kind of what the Jim Carrey thing says too, is, uh, you know, he's like, I wish everyone could be famous and rich and realize that like, this is not really, there's still problems. Like there's still, you think that these things are going to erase things. You think two more hours in your day will be able to all of a sudden now you got breath work in your life, you're journaling. No, it's your ownership and it's your accountability. That's actually, um, the the elephant in the room right and i love how as a coach you just you go back into your chair and you just go all right cool let's just change the language because someone would say just change the language and say you know there is enough time right like you're like you know they would they would change the language on that part but i love how you just like will change the language like all right cool let's just say it's not a priority and let's just live with that and then that automatically makes me like now that's not a universe problem anymore it's an anwar problem right it's like you care about this more than that you know 
And in terms of your morning routine, for example, you're basically saying, do you care about yourself? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, it's almost like a very like, hey, let's change it to priorities. And let's just go, you don't care about that. Essentially, you just said, you don't care about yourself. So let's Yo, just, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's like, and you, it's you almost, just, yeah. You, you just touched on what I was going to say too, bro. Like, they hear themselves say it and they're like, wait, that doesn't, that's not true. <laughs> it is a priority. Otherwise, I wouldn't be here meeting with you. Right. Yeah. And then you're like, and all then right. That's, so- and then that's a good ground to work with, you know? Yeah. And immediately you're back into like, so five minutes of breath work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exact. That's exactly it. Yeah, I love that. I feel like I feel like, you know, maybe doctors aren't trained on this or like chiropractors or things like that. But I feel like that would be also another great, great reverse for that, that field too, right? Like someone comes in, they're supposed to be doing rehab exercises, they come in, they're like, I can't, I don't have enough time to do these exercises every half an hour. And it was like, Let's just change that to priorities and you want your hip to be broken forever. Okay. Yeah. That's perfect. We can live with that. Um, I'll, see I'll see you next. And you're like, no, no, no. I do want my hip better. So 30 minutes of exercise then. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> you made it. You made a, another really great point, Anwar, around pain. You know, it's like reminding them. Um, I, I would probably say this is like along the way where they, maybe their, their structure or their habits have kind of fallen off and you can remind them of like, Hey, if you, you re- remind yourself, of the pain that you brought to this mm-hmm. journey. You know, what triggered you to take this step in the first place? Remember that. And then that will could possibly most likely will help you stay on track and stay consistent. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. so interesting to listening to all of this in all in that context is that whenever I find it the most often is when I say I don't have time is when it has to do with something with self. It's as if like, I feel like I'm taking care of myself and I'm doing all the right things. But then someone says, why don't you try breath work? And I'm like, now I don't have time. And it, it's, it's like, that's directly correlated to self and self-care. But because at least from my perspective, or at least my journey so far, um, I've been so focused, like Andy, you keep saying uh, things outside of myself, rather than, like a business or a job or a relationship or whatever, all of these things outside of myself, I keep focusing on them and neglecting self. So then someone says, you know, or I tell myself, why don't you try breathwork and meditation or stretching before bed? And I'm like, mm, I don't have time. It, it's a direct self-sacrifice. It, it's just, it's feeding myself, sacrificing. And so I find it, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to is like, whenever we say we don't have time, it's not for a new job or a new business venture or a new relationship. We always have time for those things, but we never seem to have time for self. That never seems to be your priority. Uh, And that's been definitely my journey of what that looks like. And something that I always share with Anwar that revolutionized this for me. And I feel like it did the same for him is. Uh, I can't remember even where I found it, but I just remember thinking one day and it said to myself, if there is no you, then there is nothing else. So if there isn't a me, then there isn't a relationship. If there isn't a me, there isn't a job. There is no career. There is no family time. There's no nothing. If there isn't a me first, none of that existed, exists. If I wasn't born, none of that would exist, but I was born. So if there wasn't a me, there wouldn't be that. So that drives my focus to understand, oh, okay, interesting. Like I can still have this time. I can make this a priority. I should make this a priority because I have to exist before these things can be what I want them to be. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's beautiful. I love that. And it's really looking at ourselves as a foundation for all the things that we want, all the great, beautiful things that we want 
in our mm-hmm. lives. And if the foundation, if the legs aren't strong, you can have, you can, you can, you can add things to your life that are, that are fun, passion, all this stuff. And it, you won't, you won't be able to hold it all your, your capacity, your, your nervous system. It just wouldn't be able to hold it all. And then the paradox is that it all topples over and you have, you know, you have lower qualities of that even, you know? Yeah. I think a really good question that we can ask guys is like, what's the cost? What's the cost of not having time for this? And then unpack that with them. And if they're still okay, okay, great, dude. (laughs) You know, but let's have a conversation about that first. Mm. Mm-hmm. powerful yeah priority and cost those are two good ways to, to kind of look at it and um, reflecting on my own uh, time when i you know make those excuses too it's crazy how much time i can make for other people though or like being of service or like it's crazy how much time i can manifest when it's outside of the self you know like i can make so much time <laughs> um things i can get done with like things that are out of my but like kyle said and like kyle pointed out is I often make all those kind of excuses about time when it's like something that's self-serving, you know, something that is like purely self-serving. And I think that, you know, um, when we talk about feminine and masculine energy, there's a natural element in the feminine energy that like speaks to self-care, mm-hmm. you know, like taking care of yourself. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's something that, you know, us as men naturally, we just, you know, if I, my friend came over and they were just like, you're, you have like a skincare routine. Like, why is it weird to have a skincare routine? You know what I mean? It's just, but you have to learn that you have to get it on your own. You realize that like, oh, it's, you know, you're taking care of yourself, but everything that involves, like, I feel like a man that is like, has a brush of self-care in it. It's still not a hundred percent accepted in the world. Like someone will respect you for that, but they'll still comment on it. Like, They'll still like mention something, you know, like, oh, you journal like, oh, okay. Like, you know, there's always a little bit of like, but never, ever have you seen, you know, a woman like, or, you know, a woman be like, I'm going to take a hot bath. And there's like a little bit of like a sticking point, like, oh, you're going to take a hot bath. Like, it's just like, oh, cool. Enjoy. (laughs) No, have fun. Like, but if you say I'm going to put some, you know, Epsom salt, I'm going to have a hot bath. I'm going to set some candles up. Like, see, see how there's like a resistance to even like the idea of processing that, like, and I think that that's what we need to get comfortable with because ultimately that is really just self-care and that priority shift changes when you start to respect the space and not see it. So like from a feminine angle or all that kind of, if you start to accept self-care as something that is going to hold your masculinity is going to keep you to help serve other people, then it might shift your priorities like naturally just by you looking at the space differently and seeing self-care as um, self-service and then serve others, you know? Yeah, you're absolutely right. When you're when you're talking about like self care being a part of the feminine energy, the feminine part of ourselves, and you know it makes sense that guys kind of like resist that with with one another because they've spent so much time resisting um, their feminine inside of themselves, or they've been rejected for the feminine inside of themselves. So naturally, anything that's associated with that gets thrown out the window too, right? And I think that I think there is like a reprogramming or re- a shift happening in our society, like through podcasts like this, you know, through organizations like Kings of Hearts and uh, and like Samurai Brotherhood is like, you know, the definition of masculinity and what it means to be a man is, it, it is, I wouldn't say it's changing. It's just, it is changing, but there's more, there's nothing new being added to it. I think it's just, 
you, we're looking at things from a larger scope now, right? Mm -hmm. uh, where, whereas uh, for so long, it's just was through uh, a very, a very narrow tunnel. Absolutely. And something that that came up for me that I was, uh, Anwar and I were actually talking about is what we're kind of talking about is types of men. There, there, there are men who embrace their, their feminine qualities and there are men who don't. And a lot of times I think the language that we've used is, well, obviously, you know, you're a pussy or you're stopping a girl or we've used that kind of language. And at the same time, on the other side, if they're too much in their masculine, we've considered them to be macho men, right? Like there's this, this idea of what a macho man is and we separate the two. And I think one super interesting component of my journey as a men's coach is navigating, you know, what type of man do I attract into my space for this coaching journey? What kind of men comes into my space? What kind of aura do I give off? And I'm not quite sure what my answer is directly to that, but something that we were navigating with your space specifically is when we were sifting through your Instagram and getting your vibe and understanding you on a deeper level, because that is your platform. And from where I stand, and I think Anwar stands as well, is it seems as if you may pull on the men who are slightly more in tune with their feminine side and less with their masculine side. Um, would you say that's a fair assumption? And what do you feel is the idea of like a macho man versus a, a more of a feminine man? What does that look like to you in your context? I think the guys that I attracted to the my community are curious. I wouldn't say they're like attuned to their feminine. I think that there is uh, a seed that was planted in them uh, at some point and they want to discover more of it because like the discovery calls that I have and the coaches that I, that I'm working with, a lot of the guys, they, the terminology is quite new to them around like their, like, how do you lead your feminine? How do you create a container, hold space? How do you nurture? Like what's nurturing, what's nourishing, you know, what is, what is all that about feminine, you know, seeks safety and love the masculine loves and craves freedom and purpose. Like the guys are like, what? However, they're curious about it. You know, I'll probably give social media um, and just our generation, I guess, some credit for that. Like these posts, sometimes guys kind of glaze over them, but I truly believe seeds are seeds are being planted. Um, and then uh, your the second part of your question around like macho versus um, uh, like that like that more feminine feminized man, right? Yeah, man, I, I feel like. Uh, Sometimes we default to attaching those things to our identity too hard when we should just look at those things as um, like our tool sets that we can equip with. You know, Anwar, you, you mentioned your toolkit earlier, right? Uh, I love that that uh, that analogy, that visual is because, you know, there are there's like a sensitive side to us that we can access when we just got to be aware of like, when is that appropriate? And maybe there's a more like, you know, like, stoic part of ourselves that we can access at, a, at the appropriate time as well. And so I think the, the work is like, A, acknowledging that we have range, right? We have um, the capacity and the range to access. We just have to A, be aware of, of, of that we have that range, right? A lot of guys are just like, no, I'm, I've been macho. My dad's macho. My grandpa's macho. I'm macho. My son's probably going to be macho, you know, or, or the latter. It's like, and it's like, yeah, there's, there's some influence there for sure. However, you know, I think that the new, 
um, the new narrative that, you know, I think we're, we're all trying the three of us and other men in my community, we're, we're trying to tell guys is like, Hey, you have many sides to you. Let's just bring more awareness to when, when is that appropriate? You know, if you're with, if you're, if you're a father and you're going to be, you're playing your, your daughter and your, or your son is crying, let's access some of that, you know, nurturing, softer, sensitive side. Right. Um, you know, maybe you're walking down the street and you see, you know, someone being threatened, right. Or they're, you know, someone is hurting somebody else. Maybe, maybe it's time to like access some of that warrior, some of that. Right. And, and, and then guys are just finally coming across like, Oh, wow. Like I can access that. Okay. Great. Show me how. Yeah. That's, that's kind of my take on that, man. I love that. And, and what comes up for me right away is masculine feminine energies. We've been talking about this all day and I just like you to briefly touch on it. I know that there are a lot of men and I have been in this space too, where the idea of quote unquote, being more feminine does not sound appealing. And I think, uh, mainly it's because it makes me feel like I'm going to be more like a woman. And I think for some reason, I always felt like that was like the wrong direction. And what I recognized about that is that was the patriarchy speaking deeply out of me. Um, that was a direct representation of the conditioning that I had unconsciously undergone. So from your standpoint, the, I, you've spoken about this before on your Instagram, masculine and feminine energy. What does that mean? What, because it doesn't correlate with gender. And so I want to I clarify that. But from your language, what does masculine and feminine energy mean to you? And how do you describe it? Yeah, I love that, man. Yeah. So first of all, yeah, you're right. Mass and feminine exists in all of us, man, you know, man or woman, however you identify. And the fe our feminine parts of ourselves represents our emotional world. It represents the way we express, the way we move, right? Um, uh, whereas the masculine is more about less. It's like, you know, whereas the feminine is more, it's, it's about more, the masculine is about less. It's about stillness. It's about... Um, it's about finding freedom within ourselves, like peace within ourselves, right? It's about structure. It's about direction. And it's like, you know, that's like when someone hears these terms for the first time, it's like, what, what do you mean? Like, I'm a man. Yeah. I have feelings, but I'm a man. It's like, let's put, let's parking lot and not like eliminate, but let's parking lot the, the genders, uh, for a second. And, and look at this uh, from a purely standpoint of energy, right? It's like, I mean, you can look at it as energy and you can, you know, come to the, the understanding that you can work with your energy. You can really get creative on like on this for yourself, right? Um, I wanted to stop there because it can, it can get really like some of the things that I've learned in like some John Wineland and David Data, um, uh, workshops, they start talking about like the different stages of the masculine first stage, second stage, third stage, which can get, um, pretty complicated. Uh, but, but the basics, I would say it's like, yeah, like that part of you, that's masculine. It's like that like calm, aware, you're focused. There's less, not more feminine part of you. It's that there's lots, there's lots of emotions happening. There's lots going on. Um, there's ways for you to express that. Um, yeah. 
and I can touch on this for, for hours and hours, this is one of my favorite topics, but I had a, a revolving thought that I wanted to ask your opinion on. Do you think it would be more beneficial for men to just see it as uh, A and B energies or one and two or, uh, you know, I and I, I like, like separating the idea of masculine and, and feminine, because there's a lot of resistance there. Do you feel like that's a good language shift or do you feel like that takes away some of the, um, uh, let's call it more of like the primal idea of masculine and feminine. Do you feel like it takes away or do you feel like it's beneficial for understanding? I think maybe for someone that, that's just kind of getting into it, I think maybe there could be some value to, to, to look at it in that sense. I think in the long term, uh, to keep that mindset around A, B, or like, you know, compartmentalizing it, I think it would only be doing um, more harm than good because at the end of the day, we're fluid, you know, like we are, we, we, we may, may be made up of more of one than the other, but as life happens, we, we constantly need to really check in with like, what does the moment need me to be in right now? You know, and that moment can switch instantaneously. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's like, but if we're, if we're too separate about it, it's going to be so much harder to, to act, to, to dig our hand into the other pocket and reach out that tool uh, for this moment, right? Whereas, um, as like as like the teacher John Wanley would say, it's art. You know, you got to be, you, you got to make it art. You got to be, you got to be fluid with it a little bit, and that takes practice. It takes practice. It takes mm -hmm. a lot of dedication to this kind of work uh, to become like a really, really artful practitioner of this work. So, I would say, guys that are get, just getting into it, like, dude, like whoever's listening right now. On, uh, this episode just start getting aware of the terms and start asking really good questions uh, about it and i think you're in a really good place right off the bat love that thanks for sharing appreciate yeah, that man. great perspective great, great questions man yeah can i ask you something quickly what you know what got you um because you said you really love this topic you know what about it lands with you like what about it keeps you so engaged um in it yeah, uh, it is a fascinating journey. I noticed there are many moments where I reject it altogether. And there are moments where I'm fully living in it, in the idea of these two polarizing energies. And I do recognize sometimes there's resistance to the language in the sense of um, having to, uh, basically how I felt I was doing was there was a societal checklist of being a man that I was following that uh, when I asked myself the question, are you a man? Um, I rejected and said, okay, all of this is crap. Let's start from scratch. And then I found the idea of masculinity and masculine energies. And I'm like, oh, beautiful. I just found another blueprint. And so what I ended up doing was following it in the same way I was following the other one, which was in an extremist way. And in a way that just made it feel like there was another checklist that I could cross off to make sure that I was a man. So that's how my journey to, into masculine energy started. Uh, and has, I would say, still shown up every now and again. It feels like there is a specific way to do it, which I see, find super fascinating. There isn't, but it feels that way because as my logical uh, man mind likes to think is like we keep talking about there's a one, two, three step process that will allow me to be perfectly in this space. Mm -hmm. So I've had a journey with that. And I'm very grateful that I have a partner that's reflected that back to me because it's been an interesting journey. But what keeps me in it is... Uh, honestly, the, the practice of it in relationship. And one thing that I've recognized is that there is no greater teacher than a partner. 
I can teach myself all the things, but I will never know if they're coming to full fruition or if I'm actually practicing them until I am put in a position where it's reflected back to me in my partnership. And the idea of the masculine and feminine energy within my relationship and literally seeing unfolding in front of me pieces of the dynamic that I learn play out in not necessarily a goal-oriented way, but just a polarizing energy way has been profound. I have never in my lifetime been conscious of as I step into more of a masculine role in that specific time frame that the feminine is then coming to me. That is a, the, the polarizing energy is literally attracted. And we always talk about growing up that opposites attract, right? We know that the relationships opposite attract, but I never understood fully what that meant. And then there's the counter of, well, we're too much alike. And what I realized is we were always talking about interests. And we were talking about hobbies and lifestyles. And while that's an, imp an important component, the energetic frequency between the two that I, that I have come to learn is by far way more important and more prevalent because that's what's going to keep the relationship vibing and, and pulling and pushing in the right direction. So for me, I, yeah, I think this, this is the idea of seeing it full force in this polarizing frequency and this this pull it has been revolutionary for me. So that's, that's why I stay in it. Yeah, man. Beautiful reflection there. Thank you. Yeah. We could probably talk about like relationship for another two hours. <laughs> hey, Anwar, like this conversation could probably go like deep with that too. Amazing. No, I yeah, definitely. And you know, I'm going to, I'm going to lose a lot of people with this next little story, this little thing that I'm going to share that kind of came up with me because it's considered in the woohoo space, but I, uh, you know, I'm going to honor my truth and just, you know, this is how it's, this is how it's landing for me. And this is how I, I feel is, you know, when you guys are talking about changing it to a B and, you know, like one and two or I double I, what I think you lose in that translation is like when I, I often try to think, sometimes I, my mind goes into like a religious and like how this world became, you know, like going back. Right. And I think that there's a purity in like, if you go back to nobody, right, there's not a man, there's not a woman, there's nothing. And you're trying to show you need two things to work really good together to continue life. You're going to bring a pure version of, you know, feminine energy, a pure version of mass energy, and they're going to understand that they need each other right away. It's, it's a very easy like, hey, you have the things I don't have. I have the things that you don't have. Clearly, these we need to work together to go to the next step, right? And then when you visualize bringing a human into this world, it's the reason why there's a mom and a dad. Like if you're a kid and you're learning, you're learning from two sources, right? Hopefully, in this world that we're talking about just being created, right? This brand new world, no one exists. And when I think about that and how that lands to me, it's just, if I was the first ever child of this world, I know that these two people that are guiding me, I need both of their information to take the next step. You know, if, 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 and as I continue to do that, as it kind of continues on the journey and the path, you realize it's these two energies that are as pure as possible coming together, creating an offspring and that multiplying is what you need to kind of continue. And I like thinking about it from like evolution of being like masculine energy is very important. Feminine energy is very important. It's the tandem of the two working very well together. Plus the offspring that, you know, allows for a fruitful living and it allows for a fruitful. Um, and in case, like in your case, Andy, you know, uh, the mass energy gets taken away, you know, inside you have both, you are capable of both. You just, now the figure is gone, but you can manifest the masculine you can manifest the feminine and still raise the offspring to understand both because you really need 
both those energies and understanding that it's an infinity sign and it's not a circle is very important. Um, and so when you guys were explaining it there, like I, I, I got into a spiritual space there, but I think it's just important to n- almost not take away the, the idea of making it A and B because it resonates more when you think about it from like a, like a, an advantage of moving forward in life, you know, and, and, and evolution. It, it's, they're both extremely important and you need both of them. Uh, it's just how else would we have learned that lesson if it didn't come from two complete pure versions of them? You know what I mean? And how would they understood that they needed each other, you know? Um, and so that might be very woohoo for people, but that is where it resonates with me and how I'm like, you know what? That makes sense. Yeah. I love that, man. There's um, so the Kings of Hearts, um, our logo has uh, like a heart in the middle, a crown and then two wings. Right. And uh, when we were developing that logo, we actually got inspiration from this quote. And this is going to relate back to what you're saying on more, but I'll bring it, I'll bring it around full circle. But when we were researching inspiration for that quote, um, we found one of the, uh, he was a speaker for a TED talk and he was referencing um, this, Baha- I think his religion was Baha'i, Baha'i. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Baha'i quote was, you know, the bird with two wings. And it's like one wing represents the the masculine the other wing represents the feminine and you know a bird with with one wing cannot take flight and that really really resonated with us and that's why we chose that logo for kings of hearts because it's like we whether it's in like like kyle was saying whether it's like in relationship you know having having that polarity to 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 bring something to life so necessary and then also within within ourselves too as as individuals, it's like, we're made up of both. And what is, what does that look like? And can we, can we bring that? How can we bring both as a gift to the world? Right. And so, yeah, that just reminded me of it a little bit woo woo too, because it's uh, referencing some, some ancient stuff, but man, super relevant though. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There's value in, in like referencing those things, mm-hmm. helping people understand it better. Mm-hmm. And it's like the yin and yang. I remember growing up knowing about yin and yang, but I never really knew what yin and yang meant. Uh, and it was just the the fluidity of the two working together to create that symbol of having you know you know white and black on both sides, but then the dot of black on the white and the dot of white on the black, and just that composition right of that symbol was uh, a beautiful representation. But I, when I rem I remember correlating it to masculine feminine energy and just knowing that they're just they're they're part of that specific space. That fluidity was was so powerful, and an extension off of what Anwar is saying too that I just came to me was that offspring is that he was speaking about a lot of time is often just your the fruition of your life too right like it's not just specifically like a physical representation of offspring it's like if you have the the mixture of the two within you then the offspring would be whatever you're trying to create it would be you know the 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 beautiful life you want to create or the relationship you want to create or the friendship you want to create having that beautiful fluidity between the two inevitably create some sort of let's call it offspring in the sense of there's something manifesting in front of you based on your ability to allow the fluidity to process within you um, so i love that reference point and just that i feel like for me the tangible representation of how the two create not just a child a physical offspring but also just anything that you want to create in your life mm-hmm. yeah beautiful i think we can 
I think we all can agree that there's no, there would be no end if we didn't hard end a conversation. Um, and I think, you know, we, we, we've gone, I think Andy, you're, you're definitely a guest that we might, you know, bring on a couple of times, you know, that was, I think we have, there's so much we can, we can unpackage and maybe get more specific and, you know, like actually take one conversation all the way to its depth. We talk about cutting things off, right? Mm -hmm. How many conversations have we cut off today when mm -hmm. we all wanted to continue to talk? And that's mm -hmm. that, that's that expression that we're talking about is I think often we live in a place where we, we express a little, cut it off, express a little, cut it off. And this conversation has been that, but hopefully we can do a better better job in another conversation of picking something and fully going through the emotions, tapping it out. Um, but for the sake of time, I will kind of lead to our last kind of, you know, question for, for the day that we, you know, we wanted to kind of bring full circle for you is um, we talk about me and Kyle, for me, I, I wear a necklace uh, that, you know, represents Momentum Mori. I don't know if you, um, do you know, do you know the, the concept of Momentum Mori? It's a stoic philosophy. Yeah, it represents, um, you know, just a very, the, the birth and the time and the death of life, you know, like you're born, you have all this time, and then you die, like that is the continuum, right? And I remember being introduced to this, and I always had an understanding of death from the perspective of um, life urgency, you know, like, that's where I, it resonates with me is that, you know, by being conscious of death, thinking about death, it creates a level of urgency in my where I'm sitting right now, knowing that that exists, you know, knowing that it's something that, you know, I'm not invincible. I'm not, you know, I only have a finite amount of time and not doing it in a, like in a negative way. I'm thinking about death in a way that creates a little level of urgency for me to like get to where I want to get to. Um, and I think death is interesting. And the question I kind of had for you today is, 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 is to bring you to that thought process of death for, for a quick second. And I want you to imagine that you're on your deathbed um, and a young boy or, you know, a, a boy in his, his teens who's ascending into his, ma his, his, his masculine journey, his manhood journey approaches you and says, you know, I'm, I'm on a path and I, what, I'm wanting your advice. What would be three things that you would tell me to help me with this, this struggle and this challenge that I'm, I, I feel like I'm about to face going from a boy to a man, um, what would be your kind of passing words, your last kind of, I guess, you know, mm -hmm. your last words um, for this, for this young boy that you're staring at? This is good. Three is hard to keep a, keep it in the realm of three. <laughs> you could, it could, it could be one takeaway if you want. Uh, I wanted to give you the opportunity if you had three, um, one, two, three, we'll leave it in your ballpark to kind of pick. I feel like I have five. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> ah, okay. 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 Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, first one that comes to me would to be to tell this teenage boy um, that everything that he's going through is in preparation for 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 life, for what he's asked for. I'm assuming that this kid is on a journey and he's seeking greatness and he's on his his hero's journey. Right. And I'm like, yeah, there's going to be obstacles in your way that come up and they're not going to feel good. And not, but, and they are here to develop you into the man you need to be in order to hold those things that you asked for. That's one. Um, I'd say the second one is live life like an arrow and not like a wet noodle. I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> that one was given to me actually. And, 
uh, I wanted to pay that one forward uh, from my good friend, Ben, Ben Goreski. And uh, he, oh man, he's like, one of my really good friends. And he's like, hey bro, like be a straight arrow, you know? And like, you, you're gonna mess up. You're gonna mess up. You're gonna, you're gonna move fast sometimes and it's okay. And it's better to be bold and risk making mistakes than to live life like 30%. Like wet noodle, like, uh, like, am I in or am I out? It's like this, like that's a wet noodle, you know? I know they can't see this right now. I'm, <laughs> on video, I'm like swaying a little bit. Um, but arrow is just like, you know, like get it. You might mess up. You will clean and you will handle and you will re reconcile a mistake if that happens. That's number two. Number three would be love. Just like love to whatever capacity that is for you. Fully show up for love. I think uh, <clears throat> we get so busy sometimes in our lives and we forget that sometimes within that busyness, our heart's actually closed. You know, we have closure in our heart. Like, oh, I got to do this because I'm not good enough. You know, what if you opened your heart and, and embodied a little bit of love and then, you know, achieved what you want to achieve from that place? How different would that feel for you? What doors could open from that place for you? You know, that's number three. I'm going to do a little bonus one. Number four <laughs> is... Find ways and learn, learn ways to self-regulate, to, to, to learn how to be with your emotions and be in the storm of all of it. And, and find, find, and it's going to be a journey and find like relaxation in that storm, find calm in that storm. You know, if you're in the storm, don't run around uh, trying to get out of it. Why don't you dance in the rain instead? That's my four. I told uh, I told Kyle before the conversation. I said, um, "I think this guy's going to be good in the hot seat. I think that he he he's Andy's going to be one of those people who um, can think on his feet and can think on his feet in a very powerful way." Um, and I think you've really displayed that today. So I want to first, I want to take a lot of time to I'll take a moment to show that gratitude of, you know, um, it, it just shows the work that you've done, you know, um, the pureness. Uh, my biggest takeaway from a lot of the stuff that you were talking about today um, is the term clean energy. You use that four or five times. And what I like about that is it reflects that we all are producing energy. That is a fact but is it clean? Yeah. And it's, it's the, it's the, it's the, it's the human breeder filter that we're working on. How clean is the water? How clean is the energy that's coming out of you? Cause we all are producing energy all the time. It's just, some of us aren't producing it in a way that's clean. And when your energy is not clean, you actually just pass on bad energy to, yeah. You just, you just dirty somebody else's energy, you know, someone who has good, clean energy and, you know, to make it more 
concrete, something that you can actually maybe an example is you meet someone with great energy, clean energy, you bring your bad, dirty energy to them. You just, you just dirty up their water and then you, and then you don't. And we do that all the time. We do that all the time is, you know, we exchange clean energy for, you know, dirty energy. And Mm -hmm. I think the process there is, you know, finding that clean energy, finding other people with clean energy, not being turned off by people with bad energy or dirty energy, but helping them find their purity, you know, helping them, helping them find ways to clear their energy as well. And um, like you said, I think great things can happen when we, when we operate out of clean energy and not, and not dirty energy. Can I share a quote with you? Cause I, you know, I love that. That was one of your biggest takeaways because um, this quote speaks to this directly. And um, I, I have it up here. It's interesting because it, like it came up to me when I woke up this morning, knowing that I was going to have this podcast. I'm like, I think maybe this this line is going to serve somehow. And sure enough, near the near the end of it, it, it pops up. So, um, and it's a quote. And it goes: "The warrior is responsible for the quality of his energy, the clarity of his heart, and the strength of his intention." And and where your biggest takeaway there was the first thing that he mentioned is like the quality of the energy. We are responsible for that. If we want to show up as king, warrior, magician, lover, you know, like we have to be responsible for the quality of our energy. So good. And thank you for the acknowledgement, bro. Thank you. Incredible. Incredible. Yes. And, and I second that and definitely echo everything that he just said in the sense of just the work that you have put in over the course of your journey, even with all the challenges that you were faced with to come to a space where you are now takes a lot of resiliency and takes a lot of courage uh, and a lot of bravery. So we're very grateful that uh, we got to share this space with someone who was willing to step into that that journey and willing to, to step into some of those, those tough pieces of self-awareness that were hard. And it's evident that we're hard uh, and that it's okay that they were hard. And, and I'm so grateful that that was something you were willing to take. So thank you. Thank you very much for your time and your presence and your willingness and your vulnerability to be here with us today and for taking the time to share with all of the people that are listening right now, all of the the, the beautiful wisdom that you have chosen to integrate in your life. Uh, it's been very, very powerful. And for everyone that is looking for you, where can they find you? Where can they, where can they come across uh, Andy's space? Yeah, I'm active on Instagram. Obviously, you know, I have seasons where where it's a bit quiet and then there's seasons where, where they're not. But the best way to reach me is if you find me on Instagram, follow along on the journey. Uh, the handle is the conscious masculine. If you're interested in coaching, if you're curious about that, what that even is, set up a discovery call with me and um, and we'll talk about where you're at. The other platform that I, I like to hang out in is uh, Kings of Hearts. It's our non-for-profit organization. And if you're a man and you're curious about that journey for you around mental health and masculinity and what that all means, uh, with Kings of Hearts, we we host uh, both in-person and also virtual uh, events. We also have a, a men's group with the Kings of Hearts if you feel curious about you know jumping into community. And yeah, I facilitate and um, I lead that. And it's great to have many different avenues so I can be found on there too. And you guys have a podcast, right? We do. Man, there's there's quite a few things. Thanks for my. We have a podcast too, and that's under the that's under the umbrella of the Kings of Hearts. And you can find us on Spotify, Apple Music. 
Amazing. Amazing. Well, thank you, Andy. I appreciate it. My, my sincerest thank you for, for being here. We are so grateful that we finally got to bring this together. So thank you for joining us. Thank you guys for, uh, for creating this space. And I, you know, I've been, I've been following along your guys's uh, journey of uh, with modern masculinity too. And you guys are doing amazing stuff and we're, we need more of this and we need more men, a part of this and whatever you guys have, you know, down the pipeline, keep it going. Keep it going. Do not take your foot off the pedal. Thank you. What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Modern Masculinity Podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and we invite you to join us next week as we put out content every single Wednesday. Our goal with this platform is to create a community to support men on their journey of becoming conscious kings. And in saying so, if you took any value out of this episode or previous episodes, please share, download, subscribe. And if you're feeling really up to it, go ahead and leave a review. You can follow us at Modern Masculinity. Remember, the K, it's with a K, not a C, to represent the mask that we wear. And like always, thank you for listening. And we'll see you next week.